and welcome back to the Sporting Lounge. Today is November 21st, 2023, and we are here talking about our Week 11 recaps, uh, going over our score predictions, production numbers, reflections over the week, and getting over some topics that are breaking news around the NFL. Uh, Austin, why don't you go ahead and lead us into that? When I was kind of preparing for the podcast, I found some stuff that I wanted to just to briefly mention over. One, very sad, Joe Burrow out for the year with a torn ligament in his wrist. He's getting surgery on that soon, so he is donezo for the year. It's very sad for the Bengals and sad for my fantasy team. Not going to lie. Um, another kind of big one is Aaron Jones has an MCL sprain, so he's week to week at the moment, but he's listed doubtful for this Thursday night game. So which means their top two backs for the Packers are potentially going to be out for their upcoming game this week. So it might be worthwhile picking up that third stringer off of waivers if you can. And if you really need to, it might be a good play this week. Uh, another one I kind of wanted to talk about as well is Colts waived Shaquille Leonard. That was kind of wild. Do you think that was a good move, bad move? How do you feel about that one, Shane? I mean, you know, uh, it makes sense with where the Colts are at. You know, like they're not utilizing mm-hmm. him to the contract's potential. Like, right. they're overpaying. You know, at this point, it's just worth it. Like, if I'm the Colts front office, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I wonder how much they try to trade him before the deadline. I'm curious on how many calls they feel it, or if they even tried at all. I'm sure they tried, but like. What's a team willing to pay for taking on that? You get rid of him because you're trying to get rid of that contract, and essentially, and you recognize that yeah. like player. So, like, you recognize the player's worth a fourth or a third round pick, but because of the contract, you know, we know how stingy the Colts are. Um, just as yeah. an organization, you know, like they're probably demanding that fourth round type pick, and a team's not willing to pay that because they have to take out so much of the contract. I think it kind of depends, right? Because that is a massive contract to to take on immediately. But if you can kind of do like a sign-and-trade type deal where you can immediately get him to agree to restructure his contract, could have been a worthwhile investment at that point. Yeah, and maybe he just wasn't willing to restructure because of how the contract structured, you know? Um, the dead cap is going to hit him yeah. pretty heavy for the rest of the season, but the next two seasons it's going to have a lighter impact. So, like, it makes sense, you know, like, if you're going to cut him, like, now to, like, I would have done it, you know, in July, personally. Oh, yeah. Um, after the cap rolls over and everything and let, let it just heat out in this year's cap um, and still had the player. Um, you know, I think that he is still one of the best 40 players at his position which means, you know, he should definitely be rostered. Um, just the issue is, you know, he has a price tag associated with him, and, you know, he's demanding a top 15 price tag when he's performing at, Not you know, like top 35 level-ish, you know. Do you, do you have a prediction where he might go or where he'd be a good fit? I think he'd be a really, really good fit. Like, I'm thinking on the Finns. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised to see him go there. Um, the Bills are another team that come to mind. You know, like, he could definitely slide into that and just be a plug-and-play type player. Maybe the Rams. Um, I could definitely see right. that. Um, 
it's got to be a playoff team, you know, more than likely. Like, so like you know, although he would be a benefit for the Cardinals, I don't think he ends up going to the Cardinals. You know, even though he'd be a benefit for the Titans, I don't think he end up going to tight. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Uh, so, so then, you know, the next story I kind of want to talk about or briefly mention is Aaron Rodgers is running. He's yep. apparently going to be practiced in two weeks, which is wild after tearing his Achilles after four snaps. Uh, but I mean, with, with modern medicine and modern techniques, at this rate, anything's possible. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if they're going to necessarily going to be a position for the playoffs, but they might be. You know, Tim yeah. Boyle is going to be a starting quarterback. So And it just looked way better with Tim Boyle in that short time he was on the field. And they did the whole game with Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, here's the thing, too, you know, like, I don't think we can question Aaron Rodgers' toughness anymore. I don't think that's a discussion anymore. You know, like, he could have easily just missed the whole season and not rehabbed this hard, but he did. Yeah, and just tipped. Yeah, and just took that money that just yeah, gave him. Just look at what Deshaun Watson did, you know, like. Yeah. And he could have been like, all right, see you guys next year. Yeah, you know, exactly. But, like, he he's trying to come back, and this team is – I think this team's rallying around Aaron Rodgers coming back and trying to get in a position where they can – I think if Aaron Rodgers is back, the Jets become a major threat. It's just a question of are they going to be able to get into the playoffs? Oh, yeah, man. Like, I think the, the past two years, the Jets have had a really good quality team. Just been plagued by bad quarterback performances, and then when they finally thought they had their quarterback, or plays in, he's out. Yeah, and you know, Aaron, I think Aaron loves the Jets. You know, like you, it's obvious at this point for me. You know, the way he talks to Garrett, you know, and everything. You know, like the whole the whole system. Just he loves it, and it seems like you know he's in charge out there, which he never had before, but he deserves. You know, like, it seemed like him and Matt LaFleur always had to go back and forth, and that was getting on his nerves, and that seems like the biggest reason he wanted out of Green Bay for the longest time. But, like, you know, now he kind of has control of that team. They're listening. The organization is listening to the receivers he wants, and they're going and getting them, you know. And, you know, with Devontae Adams coming up on free agency, I bet you Rodgers would take a pay cut to get Adams back. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and... Yeah. That, that's just the way I feel about how the Jets and Aaron's relationship is, and I think that's reflected with how fast he's coming back and he's showing incredible toughness to come back from a serious injury like this. Where like I don't know if we've ever seen a player come back from an Achilles tear within the same Not, season. The Cam Akers did in the playoffs, uh, but not this quickly. I think that was the did yeah, this. Second week of the playoffs, think Quebec in the divisional round, mm-hmm. which I believe is the same year they won the Super Bowl. So mildly impressive, especially if he comes back during the regular season too. Yep, even wilder. I just hope they actually are in a position that they will make the playoffs. Yes, so they that, can make a run. It's not exactly with Dan Rogers, yeah, and actually see what they can do. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, um, if he's practicing in two weeks and he gets the nod from doctors, you know, the Jets could still be in this thing. Um, but, you know, the AFC is tough, and that all starts with the AFC North. Um, and yeah, that that starts with the Bengals-Ravens game that just went down. Um, Ravens end up winning the game 34-20. Um, I perfectly predicted that the Ravens were going to score 34 points. I was a little bit off with the Bengals. I said 34-28, and last week you predicted that the Bengals would win 27-24. So with that being said, we talked about the Joe mm-hmm. Murrow injury a little bit. Um, how do you feel about Jake Browning leading this Bengals offense? I, I don't feel confident. I He looks all... He he did, and it's not really a knock on him because I think they'll be semi-competitive. But, I mean, they're no longer a threat, I think. Um, yeah. He looked comfortable in the pocket. He made some good reads, and... In, you know, he came in in a tough spot. I think kind of when he came in, people expected that they were going to lose automatically at that point. Um, I think they win, like, a game or two. I think they'll keep games competitive. I don't think they'll necessarily get blown out. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't really see them winning. Like, so, I don't see them finishing about 500 now, essentially. Okay, so the Jake Browning led... Bengals, this is the rest of their schedule. Steelers, Jags, Colts, Vikings, Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. How many of those do you think are a win? Oh, I think the Colts and and Browns are their best bet at wins. Mm -hmm. Because they played the Steelers twice. Steelers are playing good ball. Jags are the Jags, so they're still playing, you know, pretty solid. They're still playing well. Vikings... Look good. They're on a renaissance. No reason for me. They would be cool. No reason for me to think. Yeah, no reason for me to think they're gonna lose. And then the Chiefs are the Chiefs. You know they can be great. They can put up fucking forty-two points on you at any time. Bengals aren't capable of that. They'll still score points, but they're not. If it's a shootout, it's a yeah. They're gonna lose that shootout. And then Browns are kind of a weird team to me. I still think they lose that game. As I just don't foresee them, nor do I have confidence in winning these tough games. Any of those they games? Got... No, just the Colts and the Browns, I think, are the best chances at winning. Yeah. And do you think they in win? our final six games? I think it's like 50-50, right? Maybe 60-40. Yeah. I don't, it's not a high percentage chance. Um, Jags, definitely a loss. Chiefs, definitely a loss. Steelers, I still think they could potentially split. But now I think it's more like a 30% chance kind of thing. I think this Bengals team is one of those teams that, like, are going to get three wins throughout the rest of the season. Now, if one of those wins or both those wins are against the Steelers or they end up beating the Colts, I could see them beating the Chiefs somehow, some way, because, you know, like, they still are. They're a Super Bowl caliber team just because their Super Bowl caliber quarterback went down doesn't mean that the rest of the team is just MIA, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, Howie Grounding looked capable at quarterback. You know, um, he was looking about as good as Joe Burrow was, just like a little bit more, you know, safer passes compared to Joe. Yeah. And that's why I say I think they'll keep. Right. 
I am too. That's why I say they'll keep games competitive, but not necessarily capable of winning a lot because I think some of these games are going to be shootout. Right. Or like have that potential, right? So their opponents are just going to score points, i.e., the Chiefs, potentially the Vikings and the Steelers and the Jags. And I just don't think the Bengals' offense is really capable of that. But this game against the Steelers, I think, is going to tell us a lot about that. How the offense is going to look for the rest of the year. Yeah. Does I mean like, here do the Bengals score twenty plus? Right? Do they score twenty plus points? Maybe, maybe not. But if they can score up to thirty, then I'll probably feel a little more comfortable about the rest of their schedule. And if the Bengals win this, you know, they move into third place in the division against the Steelers. Right. So that's, this is a big game for them. You know, this is a big game for the Steelers um, because they need to stay alive in a tight division. Um, so this is a heavyweight AFC North matchup. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be very close. Um, I think it's coming. But. I think it is going to be a close game as well. I think probably within 10 points or so. Yeah, I'm thinking within five. I like it. I like it. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. But on the Ravens side of the ball, you know, you want to talk about pure dominance on offense. Um, Lamar Jackson had another game with 300 yards over scrimmage, two touchdowns, no picks, only got sacked three times on a 16-yard loss. You know, 16-26 completion rating on an average of 10.2 yards per uh, pass. Uh, obviously, Mark Andrews is out for the year. Um, that's the big news. Coming yeah. The game and that was a rough tackle, rough injury to watch. Um, but it happens, you know. You're, you're pretty right about Odell Beckham because I believe you said he over 100 and a touchdown. And he got over the 100. Yeah. So he yeah, had himself a game. Yeah. Um. That made sense, and you know, um, Nelson Aguilar, he put up some fancy points too. You know, he ended up being worth like eleven or twelve, and I think that's what I predicted for him. And then I said Gus Edwards was going to be touchdown reliant, and that's exactly what he was. You know, uh, without that two touchdowns, he was only worth what eight points. Uh, nine points. Yeah, just over nine points. So he had six so, two on the on the ground, and then eight receiving on two catches. So. So, he was worth nine points exactly without the touchdowns, and then throw the, yeah, no, you, or throw the 12 points on there. Yeah, you're dead on about Gus Edwards. So, I mean, if you started him, you're pretty happy. Pretty yeah, thankful for those yeah. two touchdowns. Otherwise, you might be kind of pissed. But that was good. Yeah, so, all in all, good game. Yeah. Player I want to talk about from this game is Logan Wilson. Um, do you think that he's a dirty player? Wait, what happened? I didn't see. I didn't watch the whole game. He, so he's the one that made the tackle on the Mark Andrews play on the Mark Andrews injury. Oh, uh, he did what's called a hip sweep tackle. Oh yeah, which I heard about that. Um, is what injured Mark Andrews. Um, and he's made several tackles throughout the season that are uh very Vontez Burfecht esque. <laughs> so a lot of people are calling him a dirty player. Um, I think that he. I don't think that he's dirty like Vontez was. Because Vontez was trying to hurt people, you know. I think Logan Wilson is just a hard-hitting player that is, you know, trying his best. You can't high-hit people anymore. And they're talking about banning the hip swing tackle. Yeah, they're, they're calling and, it. I saw that. 
you know, like it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, what what's a guy supposed to do? You know, like you take away high hits because you're trying to save guys from concussions. Well, this was what people were saying back then, you know, when high hits were getting banned was, you know, there's going to be a lot more leg injuries. There's going to be a lot more season ending injuries, you know, because, you know, guys are going to have to hit around the waist and tear up legs. And right. we've seen that come to fruition over the past five, six years since that those high hits got banned. And, you know, um, I think, I think it's just kind of the reality that if we want football to be a contact sport, then we need to respect that there's injuries that come along with it. Um, although I'm a Steelers fan, I hate to say, it, I don't think Logan Wilson's a dirty player. I just think that he has had plays where he looks dirty. Um, every player you know, has plays that look like that, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're Minka Fitzpatrick on the Nick Chubb tackle. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, it, it just doesn't matter on who you are, you know, just defensively, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, your job is to hit people hard. And, you know, if you do that effectively, you get called dirty. Sometimes I don't think Logan Wilson falls into that category because when I think of a dirty player, you know, like here's here's the perfect debate. James Harrison versus Von Tesper, right? You know, James oh, yeah. Harrison was renowned as a super dirty player. Von Perfect is regarded as a super dirty player. The difference is James Harrison hit people hard and was trying to sit them out for the game. Like that's just how that was. So if you think that's dirty, then sure he was a dirty player. But the difference is with Von Perfect was he was taking cheap shots to do. You know, like James Harrison was doing leak hits that were hard. You know, compared to Vontez Perfect, circa the AB reception. Circa, you know, I think he hit Steve Smith Jr. really hard, or Sr. really mm -hmm. hard on a cheap hit, too. You know, those are cheap hits. What Logan Wilson did wasn't a cheap hit. He was just trying to make a tackle and disaster happen. And, you know, I think it kind of sucks for players that are hard hitters, that are trying to, you know... Like, Logan Wilson isn't necessarily, like, this athletic freak. He's just a very hard tackler that, you know, that's what his game's built on. You know, like a Robert right. Lane type, you know, for the Raiders. You know, you're talking about a guy that is going to be a hard-hitting type guy, and that's what their whole game's built on. Well, that's what the Bengals want. They want a thumper. And a thumper is starting to just become a synonym for being dirty, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah, because, I mean, you see what it if you want to make that argument, then you got to call so many defensive players from even 10 years ago dirty. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Exactly. You got to call all the all-time grades dirty yeah. at that point. You know, so it's like, I don't get the argument. There, there's a difference between playing hard, playing physical, and being dirty. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's really at this point of his career is teetering on that line of being on the dirty side versus like just a hard hitter, but I yeah. still put him on the hard hitting side. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd have a better argument to call freaking Matt Jones dirty than really Logan <laughs> <Bogan> Wilson because <laughs> he's had some questionable hits <laughs> throughout his that's true. two and a half year career so far. <laughs> so that's true. That's true. Um, you know, Ravens defense came out to play. We've seen Patrick Queen and Raquan Smith both have themselves a field day again. I circled on them last week, but you know, that's a big deal. You know, getting 20-plus tackles at your middle linebacker spot, you know, that's a huge deal. 
Um, and that's something I always want to circle. They're not letting things get to the second level. You know, when you're getting 20 plus tackles, you know, for reference, the Bengals rushed the ball 23 times yeah. and they only had 136 yards on the ground um, collectively and 40 of those coming from Jake Browning on scrambles. So, and a 19 yard long. So like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, we take that out of the equation, 96 yards on the ground, like, or even less than that, 80, 89, because one of them was Joe Burrow on a scramble. So 89 yards on the ground, you know, and that that's how you end up looking at that 20 tackle number. You know, they're not allowing those big chunk plays to come over them. You know, they're getting those stops when, when they need to, you know, like you're holding up that running attack. You know, realistically, 89 yards. The stat sheet says 136 because of QB scrambles. But, you know, that's, you know, that's that. And, you know, they were holding, you know, the middle of the field, not letting them get free receptions. Like, Irv Smith walked out of the game with zero receptions. Mm-hmm. Audrey Sample walked out of the game with only two receptions, 19 yards. So, you know, they're doing a really good job locking up right there. Tyler Boyd was a player that I predicted to have a great game, and he didn't because, you know, they were crossing him a lot um, and catching him right between Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith three receptions, 22 yards on six targets, you know, that that's how you that's how you beat really good offenses is having a really good center of the field. And I really want to yeah, circle that middle linebacker for for the Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like like you said, like when you when you control that middle of the field, it changes the whole dynamic of that offense, of the opposing offense. Yeah. It makes things so much harder because then they got attacked outside and attacked deep. You know, and try to make you lay off the middle of the field, but the Ravens never did that. Because they have such great middle linebackers, such a great linebacking core as a whole, that they can just, that they don't have to do that, that they're not forced to, and never will be. Exactly. That leads me into my next game of the week, which is the other AFC North matchup that happened this week, um, which had repercussions following it, which we will definitely circle on in just a moment. Um, I know you wanted to talk about it at the top of the segment, but we're going to talk about it here. That's why I cut you off when I did earlier. Um, I knew it was a gang that was coming up. So, yeah, that's why I didn't bring it up. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. You're a smart man. We're on the same page. It's like telepathic. <laughs> um, so we're looking at the Browns beating the Steelers 13 to 10. Um, you and I both predicted that the Steelers were going to win. You predicted 31 10 Steelers. Um, I predicted 24 0 Steelers. And talk about an ugly game. It was. It was a rough game to watch. Um, you know, yeah, 100, 106 passing yards, three point on average, but they did kill it on the ground. 172 yards, Jalen Warren, nine carries, 129 yeah. yards, and a tutty. Yep. So fantasy wise, he did great. Yeah, he he had a field day. Um, mm-hmm. don't discount that he had three receptions out of the backfield for 16 yards, as well. So, you know, Good. right there that. That bumps him up to what one thirty-five yards total, or one forty-five yards total. Um, so yeah, we're looking at what twenty-three and a half points. So Jalen Warden has definitely earned. Uh, I think that you can comfortably start him RB two as a staple moving forward. Um, people bash on Najee. Um, here's the thing with Najee: you got to realize how the Steelers are utilizing him. They're util- utilizing him as a power runner. Um. He's there to grind down defenses. He's there to make it so Jalen Warren has an easier time against these defenses. Um, you know, you watch the first quarter and a half, they didn't give Jalen the ball at all. You know, like it was just Najee. 
just feeding mm-hmm. Najee the ball and just letting him grind down the defense. And that's exactly what he was doing. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me during the Steelers game when I was watching it live was, you know, they just started passing the ball nonstop. And it was like on these weird ass routes that, you know, were just idiotic. Um, which that leads into Matt Canada getting fired. Yeah, how you feeling? Because now they got the the running backs coaches part of the play calling. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think they also, I think it's like a co interim offensive coordinator they got going on right now. If I read that, so correctly. I've been waiting for the official release today. Um, let's double check this. I don't know if they have announced the new offensive coordinator yet. Um. <laughs> It looks like let me double check. Faulkner is expected to take over as the interim offensive coordinator, and Sullivan, who's previ- who has previous coordinator experience with the New York Giants and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, will handle play calling. Okay. So Randy Faulkner um, is who they're refer- referencing. Oh yeah, so Mike Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner. Oh Eddie, excuse. Oh wait, see, yeah, Eddie Faulkner is going to be the offensive coordinator. Well, the quarterback coach, Mike Sullivan, as a play caller. Yep. And I mean, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago when the Bills decided to move on from their OC, but, like, Ken Dorsey, you know, um, Mm -hmm. was, it was late in the season, and that's the biggest reason I didn't like the move. And honestly, I didn't think Ken Ken Dorsey deserved to get the can either. You know, he was doing things to get the offense yards you know the bills were ranked top seven at worst in every every position other than scoring um offensively so like when you're looking at the stats like that and you're watching the bills live it's just like they're not finishing and if you want to blame that on your oc sure but Mm -hmm. with the matt ganda firing i'm bittersweet about it because it's so late in the season like now the steelers have enough talent on offense where they could turn this thing around they could go ahead and start cooking with gas if they get the right play calls. But, right. you know, you, you have to imagine that at some point before they fired Matt Canada, just with how the Steelers operate, um, that he he already allegedly wasn't calling the plays for the last few weeks. So, like, what does this actually change for the Steelers? You know, was... What's going on? You know, did they just need to change the scenery at the coaching position? Was that what we're really thinking? You know, mm-hmm. and the other thing for me is like Matt Cando was so big on, oh, I need to get my guy at quarterback. I need to get my guy at quarterback. Okay. So they got him his guy at quarterback and pushed out Ben Roethlisberger, who's a first ballot Hall of Fame. Okay. Sure. He's at the twilight of his career. Whatever. Okay. So then they go ahead and get the pieces that he needs over two seasons. And then he comes out this season. Well, my team, my offense isn't built from built to score from behind okay what about this game you know you weren't behind all game you were tied <laughs> till till there's two seconds left um and that leads me into talking about cleveland's offensive production this week you know dorian thompson um looked horrible he got the win but he didn't look great i a lucky win yep it they won in despite in spite of him you know, 24 for 43 on 165 yards, averaging 3.8 yards per pass and a pick. 
Um, you know, the Steelers defense was doing a good job getting in his face and now allowing him to get the ball down the field. Um, they were holding on tight. You know, they didn't allow over 100 yards rushing and Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. We have seen tear up defenses this season. Um, they shut him down other than letting Jerome Ford get the singular touchdown that the Browns scored that day. And, you know, like overall, the defense played great for the Steelers. Um, you know, Njoku had another stellar game. Do you think Njoku is relevant in top five? tight end conversation for the rest of the season mm, i want to say it, it i think he's good and he's worth starting most weeks but i don't know if i say top five maybe not i'm kind of flipping back between five and six with him put him at five yeah and six. that's kind of where i'm at i'm kind of thinking like um, seven i think you can comfortably start him and you don't really have a problem there because he's going to get you points, he's going to get you work, and every once in a while he'll get you a touchdown. Yep. Right. So he'll get his five to six catches a game, probably 50 or 60 yards. Right there, that's 10 points. So if he gets you that touchdown, that's, you know, 16, 17 points right there. And you're happy with that. Happy with 10 points. Yeah. Your basement is 10 points at tight end, and your ceiling is, like, 20 points. Like, that's that's Kelsey-like numbers. You know, I think he's a comfortable start. Um, I agree. But I could also understand you not starting him at times as well. I wouldn't argue that. Yes. Um, I like him a lot. You know, um, we've seen the connection between him and Dorian Thompson. Dorian Thompson has a hot hand. Mm -hmm. um, so he's going to get a lot of targets just because he got 15 targets this game. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two of those, too, by the way. Um, so that's what I'm saying, so, like, Comfortably start him. Yeah. If this is if this game is anything to go off of, he's going to get work. Now he's not going to get 15 targets every game. That'd just be insane to think. But I think his floor, I think his floor is reasonably like eight targets. And they, I don't be surprised if he gets 10 plus targets. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 10 targets consistently from this game out. I think that there will only be one game he doesn't get a lot of targets on. And you know, we started talking about the AFC North standings. The Browns move up to second mm -hmm. place. They're only half a game behind the Ravens at this point. Um, they're seven and three. Steelers are six and four. Um, the remainder of their schedule goes like this: Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears, Texans, Jets, Bengals. Oof. So Broncos might be where the Broncos been playing. That's probably going to be a loss. Jags, Jets. Or Jags, Texans, also probably a loss. So they might only get three of the next six wins. Or in yep. three of the next six games. I, I think that's that. very reasonable. Very put, not, not very possible. And what about on the Steelers' side of the ball? Do you think this offensive coordinator change will change anything? I don't know, man. It really depends. I mean, I think it's kind of too early to tell. I think it potentially does, and, and hopefully the, the change will allow the Steelers to open up the playbook a lot more than what they seem to be doing, you know, because, like, when, when we saw Kenny just call plays, or we saw the Steelers perform a lot better. In all recent weeks, the Steelers were performing, I think, better on offense, but still not to their potential where they could be with the personnel that they have on the offensive side of the ball, especially. So that does kind of give merit to, well, maybe someone else was calling the plays, kind of saying it wasn't Matt Canada or whatever, you know. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the Steelers because even though 
I, I don't like the Steelers. They still got so much potential on that offense that they could be a, a very, very good football team. Yeah, 110%. Um, it's just, this next, yeah, this next game for the Steelers is going to tell you a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think Matt Candace firing is going to be more of a rally point than necessarily a actual change. You know, yeah. the players have been pretty much going out in the media all season and saying fire Matt Canda without saying fire Matt Canda. <laughs> Najee. Yeah. You know, George George Pickens has came out multiple times and said, I'm tired of this shit. Free me. I don't know if you remember that Instagram drama, but he's saying mm-hmm. free me. And, you know, Deontay Johnson, who has proven multiple times throughout the season that he is the calm head in that wide receiver locker room, It he, he came out and was like, this ain't working. And when you got your leader of your wide receiver room, you know, possibly you could argue Deontay Johnson is the leader of that offense, you know, more so than Kenny. Um, because, you know, Kenny can't say that. Kenny just can't. You know, you kind of get the real look inside the locker room with a guy like Deontay Johnson, who's like that subtle leader, who's leading that skill group, you know, and he's saying, I'm tired of this. And following that, the next day, Matt Canada got. Um, yeah, it, when you lose your guys, when you lose that locker room, especially as a coach, it's so hard to do anything, right? It's so hard to get that get that player's trust and acceptance back. Um, so when he lost it, he probably lost it a couple of years ago. It just they just didn't want to make a change yet. The one thing I did like is is during Mike Tomlin's press conference about it, he kind of just took all the blame for the every all the blame, but he took all the responsibility for firing and said it was it was my decision and no one else's kind of shielding anyone else from potentially blame if someone wanted to blame him for firing Matt Cannon or get mad about it, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Because the original report came out, and the original report said that Art Rooney fired uh, Matt Canada, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, you know, okay, they had to go up to the owner. And what I think happened was Art Rooney pulled Tomlin aside and said, a few weeks ago, I think, you know, probably after that Jags loss, you know, they, he probably pulled him aside and said, listen, we have a playoff, we have a Super Bowl caliber team, talent-wise. You know, the offense might not be there yet, but that defense is super And Yeah, defense, but not offense. That offense is probably wild card talent with the amount of talent they have, which that is enough to get you a ring, like, with the amount of talent on that we saw with the we saw with the Patriots with their threes in the early two thousands. They yeah. had a Super Bowl caliber defense and a pretty good to me, like mediocre to pretty good offense. Yeah, and that that's exactly where the Steelers are. You know, you have this offensive line that's starting to click, especially with the addition of Broderick Jones, and mm-hmm. you know, finally getting him to start. And you got this defense that is just like locking up teams. You know, like. You're holding teams under 20 points. You win. You, you win a lot. And every time the Steelers that ha- the Steelers have held the team under 20 points, other than the first game against the Browns, they led up 22, but they scored 26 and got the win. And this past week, mm-hmm. they've won every game that they kept their opponent at 20 points or less, and the Jags, which they only allowed them to score 20. So yeah. the Steelers' defense has only allowed a team to score more than 20 points three times this season, and two of them resulting in their four losses so 
fun fact that I saw um, when I was just reading before the pod was that the NFL is on track to score the lowest amount of points since like 2009 combined. Because right now they're averaging, teams are averaging combined like 43.8 or something like that. Yeah. 43.9. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just seems like it's been a low scoring season. And I think a big thing with that is, you know, like you had the AFC North that like you have four great defenses in one division. And that's just the AFC North. You got the Lions who have a great defense. You have 49ers who have a great defense. You mm-hmm. have the Eagles who have a great defense. You know, like the we're Bulldogs talking about like defense. That the Philadelphia Bulldogs have a great defense. <laughs> um, but no, actually, you know, we're seeing we're seeing a wave of defenses that are elite all at the same time. And I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes the standard because you can't just check out, check down and bing, bing, bing and win games anymore. You know, like you can't rely on your quarterback to win you games anymore. This is playing almost like 90s football or it's like 90s and prior football, I should say. You know, right. you can't rely on just a quarterback to get you wins anymore. You know, there's teams that are like the Jets that are quarterback away from being a great team. But, mm-hmm. you know, just like, you know, just like a team like the Bears might be just a middle linebacker away from having a great defense or, you know, the Raiders just being a good cornerback away from having a great defense. Oh. Uh, so real quick, what do you think the odds are that the AFC North performs like this next year? It is it's like true. the best. You think like higher than seventy, like seventy percent high or yeah. higher? I I think it's like ninety percent. Okay. Because here's the thing: that. like I could see the most of these contracts are staying in place. None of these guys are moving. You have you're going to keep almost the same rosters and just improve them. This offseason, you know, you're just mm-hmm. improving these teams because no one's going anywhere. You don't got to worry about Lamar's contract yet. You don't got to worry about Joe Burrows. You don't got to worry about Deshaun Watson, you know, and Deshaun Watson's starting to finally cook up with, you know, playing good and he is out for the season the next game. So, you know, mm-hmm. like if Deshaun Watson's able to play like remotely like that throughout most of the games next season, the Browns are going to be a threat. The Ravens, obviously a threat. Joe Burrow coming back, that makes the Bengals a threat. You know, and then the Steelers, you know, being the Steelers and just refusing to go under 500 for some reason and not make the playoffs and keep on getting mid-round draft picks is just going to happen. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think you know, the biggest drop-off this following season for a team is going to be the Steelers. Um, I think the Steelers, if the, unless their offense just greatly improves over the offseason because... You know, they got guys like Cam Hayward that are starting to get up there in age, but they got Keanu Benton already to replace him, who's been playing very stellar as a rookie. Um, You know, like, that's the thing that you got to look at is, like, how much depth do they have? And each one of these teams have good depth. You know, the Browns wildly went to do. Got Dewan Jones from Ohio State this past season in the draft, Mm -hmm. and they got him in the fourth round. He started this week against TJ Watt and kept him locked up, you know, took care of it. Um so it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, how these teams are all built. Like, they're going to be good for the next three to five seasons, and they're all going to be threats playoff-wise. For the next three to five seasons, yeah. That's kind of how I was feeling about it. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of happy because it's going to make things interesting, especially towards the end of the season. 
because like for the next it's very possible over the next you know two three seasons especially that potentially all four teams are in the playoffs yep and to me that's just so fun and also funny at the same time yeah i love it <laughs> i i just hope the Bengals resign t higgins this offseason where do you think t higgins would go if he didn't go and resign with the Bengals? Uh, well, if he doesn't, I would hope he go to the Patriots because Jesus Christ, it didn't need weapons. <laughs> yeah, you know who I think he'd go to? Who? Um, maybe a team like the Cardinals. Cardinals could use him. Cardinals do. And that leads me to my next game. Maybe the Bears. <laughs> you and I both mm-hmm. predicted Texans were going to win. Yeah, he'd be good on the Bears. He'd be good on the Bears. All right. All right. All right. Huh? Hey. <laughs> huh? No. Uh, you and I both predicted that the Texans were going to win. 31 to zip by you, 34-13 by me. Uh, Texans ended up winning close one, 21-16. So someone commented yeah. on the most recent YouTube video, our uh, short that we posted uh, saying that guy don't know what he's talking about with Kyler coming back. They ain't getting shut out. Uh, do you have a response to that? Nah, I don't care, man. <laughs> I don't. I I think the Cardinals get, honestly got lucky with CJ Stroud playing one probably one of his worst games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 336 yards passing, two touchdowns. But he also had three interceptions, so his it was his most turnover heavy game, right? Because before this, he only had one interception, and then he comes out with three. It's hard to win with multiple turnovers like that. So the Texans almost got. And I got lucky that they weren't playing a better offense because if playing a better offense with those three turnovers, I think it's a different ball game and the Texans loss. Uh, Devin Singletary ate it up. 22 carries, 112 yeah. yards, one touchdown. So he had himself a hell of a fantasy day. Yep. Hell of a fantasy day. Receptions for six yards. Yeah, so he had 20-plus fantasy points. Tank Dell, eight receptions, 150, and a tutty. Mm-hmm. So that's almost 30 points right there. Yep. As well, Nico Collins had a solid day, seven catches, 65 yards. So he got you about 13 points, 13 and a half points, which isn't bad. Not great, not bad, but, you know, right there in the middle. Something that you're happy with, but you're not angry with. And then after that, it kind of drops off because Robert Woods, five for 44. Don Schultz. Don Dalton Schultz saved his fantasy day with that touchdown. Cause yep. he had two catches for thirty two yards. So right there that's, you know, five and a half points almost. And then that Tuddy bumped him up to eleven and a half. So pretty solid for a tight end day. I'm actually starting uh deciding between Dalton Schultz and Evan Ingram for the rest of the year since Mark Andrews is out. I think I'm gonna lean uh Evan Ingram. But maybe don't. So I, that's something I wanted to say was the Texans came out and said that they were going to be working on getting Schultz more targets as well. Yeah. Uh, but my thing is just because they say that doesn't mean they're going to, so it makes me nervous True. to play that and, and kind of hinge his performance or starting him on, on the word of them, whereas Evan Ingram has been pretty solid all year round. We know he's going to get the targets and the work, you know. Well, Don Schultz, it's just when, more of like a wait and see. Well, you know, like when C.J. Stroud's passing it down to their tight end, you know, Schultz, um, 
he's much more efficient and he's taking advantage of those free yards. And I think that's a big thing that like CJ Stroud specifically needs to work on. Um, but you and I have been saying this for the last three weeks and it seems like the media is finally catching up to what we were saying. Uh, CJ Stroud for MVP. Yeah, man. Uh, hold on. I got to look this up. Cause I wonder if a rookie's ever won NFL MVP. While you're looking that up, I'll go ahead and start diving into the Cardinal stats a little okay. bit. Um, Kyler Murray, 214 yards, one-to-one -one on TD pick ratio. Um, James Conner had himself an okay day. Um, you know, 14 carries, 62 yards. But don't forget, Kyler Murray had seven carries, 51 yards, and a TD on the ground. So, you know, he ever, he he got like 265 yards and two TDs and a pick. So, you know, you're looking at a pretty solid QB performance in all honesty. I think about 18, 20 points. Um, but, you know. Greg George was the wide receiver um, that you had a lottery pick, and Trey McBride went out and had a good week again. You know, he had nine points. So, you know, solid at tight end, nothing great. But he had seven targets, five receptions, mm -hmm. 43 yards, no TDs. He had a TD, you know, you're talking about a really good week. I still think he's a staple start at tight end at this juncture. I still think he's a top 10 tight end for fantasy. Yeah, he's still um, got seven targets. I mean, yep. He's getting those. So, you know, Greg Dorch, if that was the Cardinals wide receiver that you decided to put all your chips on black on, then congratulations. Uh, you went and got yourself 13 points. <laughs> but, you know, in all seriousness, um, do you start any of these Cardinals wide receivers from here on out? Not comfortably. Kind of still hold firm on Trey McBride, my favorite person to start on the receiving side of the ball for the Cardinals. I agree. Maybe at times you could start Hollywood Brown or Greg Dolch or Greg Greg Dorch. But those are kind of I think they're almost kind of dark throws where if you need to you can start them because they may have those boom plays and they're capable of it. Uh but I think Trey McBride is probably the, the safer play in, in the Cardinals offense outside James Conner. Yep. It's kind of where I'm at with that. Um so but to quickly go back to the rookie to an MVP, do you have any guesses? I'll give you a hint. He's regarded as one of the best running backs all time. Barry? No. Walt played in the 50s. He came out in the 50s. He was drafted then. Jim Brown. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I 1957. I knew that. I don't know why I didn't guess that immediately. Is he the only rookie to ever do it? The only rookie. Terry Wynn. Yeah, that, that year he had 942 yards on 202 carries with nine touchdowns in 12 games. And he also had 16 catches for 55 yards in the touchdown. And then returned six kicks for 136 yards. And that was his yeah. lowest rushing total of his entire career for a year. Yep. Too, which is Jim crazy. Brown was dominant. Jim Brown was dominant. I mean, at this juncture, you know, um, it's projected that C.J. Stroud if he maintains the rate that he's been performing at this season, he'll have 5,035 yards, 29 TDs, 9 interceptions, with a 99.3 QB rating. Yeah. I, I, so, what argument... Okay, so... If you think there's an argument, what argument do you think would be made against him? Not enough touchdowns. Not enough. Okay, so do you think... I, 
he would need to get to like the 40 for them not to be an argument against him. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got two touchdowns on the ground, right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, and 17 through the air, you know, um, it doesn't help that he has two fumbles as well. So uh, six total turnovers on loss because um, he only lost one. But right. you know, so he's at 19 over six total. Um, he's not really the rushing type of QB. He's just not, you know, because of because of his skin color. Everybody wants to say how much of a mobile QB he is, but. You know, you watch C.J. Stroud, and he's a pure pocket passer, really. Um, you know, he has a little bit of agility. Um, you know. He can extend plays. You know, the series, too. Exactly. He can... And, and you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you watch him play. He's actually just a pure pocket passer. He can extend <laughs> plays as needed. But, you know, you don't want to... If you're the Texans, you're trying not to get C.J. Stroud on his horse very often. Um because if he gets a clean pocket, he's gonna shred defenses, and that's yeah, that's what that that's that's where he's really excelling at. You know, is find those receivers down the middle or deep down the field. You know, for a forty-yard bomb. Yeah, and you know, I think if I think honestly, if he gets thirty-five touchdowns, that's where you can be like, okay, you know, but he can't have another performance where he's sitting there and throwing three picks again. He just can't. Right. Moving forward on the Texans schedule, they got the Jags, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. Mm. So th- for the Texans, Texans are a team that I would love just to see to make the Super Bowl. Honestly, I think it would just be such a such a fun storyline and almost like a, a meme storyline because yeah, that's <laughs> it's just because so many people wrote them off at the beginning of the year, even. Even last at the end of last year, some people just automatically wrote them off. Yeah, and then after seeing all the moves they made, they still wanted to write them off. Even now, people still want to hate on them and write them off and say that you know that they're not going to make it anywhere in the playoffs. Where I think that they very realistically could, they could make a deep playoff push. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a title game, but I don't expect it. I think they kind of stop at the divisional round. That's where things kind of end for them. I think make it that far, yeah. make it to the playoffs as a whole. As even if it's a wild card, right? I think it's a major improvement. Even if they don't make the playoffs, still major improvement on last year. Um, but I think their playoff caliber team. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I think I think their playoff caliber team. I think they have what it takes to make a push in the playoffs and be competitive. I just. Don't think they're gonna make it to the Super Bowl quite yet. Neither do I. I think that they're a divisional like team, but they're young too. Yeah, so in the next couple of years, I think they could make it to the Super Bowl. Because mm-hmm. all the young players are gonna be better, and then the players they bring in through the drafts and through free agency over the next couple of years, I think they're gonna be pivotal and play a huge part in how they operate and how well they play together. I think it's the, they're just gonna keep going on, man. I, I love the Texans. I I love what they've done. They're becoming like one of my favorite teams to watch because I love rooting yeah. for them. You know, kind of thing. I, I love the underdog, and for some reason, they still seem to be the underdog even at six and four. But I think they've earned, yeah, not to be the underdog even anymore. But yet they are. But I'm really excited to see this Jags game. To watch this Jags game this coming week. 
because it is going to be massive for them. That could potentially decide the division winner, I think. Now, obviously, for the division winner, you know, both teams would have to win out for this game to really matter that much. Let's try and look at the standings real quick. 7-3 to 6-4. and four. Yeah. So, if the Texans win, they're both 7-4, and four, right? So then, assuming the Texans win out and assuming that the Jacks went out, then we're talking Texans win because of that. Um, went earlier in the season against the Giants. Yep. Yeah, that, that tiebreaker. So, from that perspective, even if I just at the end of the day, this game is going to be massive to kind of almost decide that that, that division winner, regardless of if a team wins out, right? Because if if Jags lose, they almost have to win out and hope the Texans. Stumble, drop a, drop a game or two. Yep. Yeah, the the Jags will need to drop two games over the Jags. Exactly. So it, so that's why I think this game is going to be so massive. Is because there's almost more writing on this game for the Jags than there is for the Texans. Because the Jags kind of have that mind, the Jags kind of have that mindset of well, not only do the Texans still have that, have that control, but the Jags have that I think kind of have that mindset of having more pressure on them because people expect more from them. Thus, if they don't, then there's going to be all this hay and calls for probably people being fired or something like that. Whereas the Texans have none of that. People didn't expect shit from them this year. You know, Texas, people didn't think Texans would win like four or five games this year. So they don't have that pressure or have that same pressure that the Jags do. So, well, you know, the big thing for me is, like, the acquisitions that they got this offseason. You know, you look mm-hmm. at their offensive line, and, you know, you got Laramie Tunsil, who, like, yep. stud left tackle. You got Titus Howard, who's a top three left guard in the NFL. You got Michael Dieter, who is a top five, top seven center, really good at his job. Uh, Shaq Mason, who you can argue is top three guard, period, in the NFL. And George Fant, who's a much more than serviceable tackle on the other side and you know they spent so much money i think it was like 113 million dollars on mm-hmm. this offensive line this past off season and this is this is how you build a team you build it in the trenches and you work your way out yeah so um kind of funny with the Texans is i got a old work colleague that's a, a big Texans fan and we were in a group chat and at the beginning of the year after we did this podcast that podcast where we did our like predictions for the preseason and going into the regular season kind of thing where we thought teams would finish i told them i was like texans are a playoff team they're gonna win 10 to 11 games and last week he's like how did you predict that i was like if you just look at all the moves all the people they brought in all the drafting that the the coaching staff they brought in like they had the makings of it yeah right it's what the jets could have done but fumbled yeah, you know, injury happened. Well, I'm talking more so like, was it whenever they drafted Zach Wilson, right? Yeah, they could have done a little better. You know, they could have pushed, they could have pushed a can down the road a little bit, kind of thing. Um, that's so that's why the Jets and the Texans have a little bit of similarity to me is because they both have very good young teams. It's just the Texans have their quarterback, whereas the Jets don't. Quarterback of the future, you know. So I'm excited for the Texans. I'm excited to keep watching them play. I think they got a very bright future. 
and they're going to be a damn good team for in the next at least five years. Yeah. I think they're building a dynasty over there in Houston. Uh, that brings us to the other team in Texas, you know, Dallas Cowboys, which you perfectly predicted that they wouldn't let up more than 10 points, which that's correct, but you were just slightly off with what they'd score, 42 to 10. I was saying 42 to 17, uh, but yeah. we both agreed that the Cowboys were going to win. Um, thoughts on this game? You know, nothing really stands out on the on the Dallas side. Right, because when you see 33 points, you kind of expect big stat lines, but you don't really have any big stat lines. You got Dak Prescott, 189 yards, two touchdowns. You got Tony Pollard with 61 on the ground and a touchdown. Then the highest, and then you got Brandon Cooks and Ceedee Lamb with 42, 42 yards and 38 yards respectively. There's just not a lot of Cook in there, but the. But and then on the flip side of the ball, the Dallas Cowboys was able to keep the Panthers in check, which I think we all kind of expected. No one really expected Bryce Young to go off against a dominant Cowboys defense. He had 123 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. The Dallas they kept Chuba Hubbard in check with 10 carries and 57 yards, and then Miles Sanders 11 carries, 50 yards. So I mean, as a unit, they they got 110 yards which is pretty good. And then for Carolina receiving, you had Adam Thielen, eight catches, 74 yards. So he had a decent fantasy day. Nothing crazy, nothing great. Uh, if he had a touchdown, that would have been amazing. Would have made his day even much better, but that went to Tommy Tremble, which is okay. And then Bryce Young also had a fumble. And then Adam Thielen had a fumble, so it kind of hurt his day a little bit. So from both sides this was a by looking at the stats you would have thought this was a very boring game to watch but then looking at you at the score you're like where did all these points come from because it doesn't make sense when you look at the stats people just had these short yard touchdowns cd lamb is still the the target man the the unquestioned wide receiver one in that offense i don't think you can really argue that with nine targets Tony Pollard looked pretty good. Not great, but he looked pretty good. Can't really argue with that performance. But what I'm really wondering is, is what were the, the Cowboys doing? Because you didn't really see a lot of big chunk plays. You saw a lot of check down, a lot of short yardage type stuff. So why were they doing that? And then, that that part just confuses me. I don't understand what kind of why they why they were doing the play calls that they were that they were doing. Yeah, and then uh, a hundred bit. Yeah, so like it, it just confused me, you know, because I saw the score. I didn't watch the game at all, but I saw the score and I was like, damn, some player like that must be a pretty good stat heavy game. But then you look at the stats, you're like, what? Well, you know, two turnovers will do that to you, especially in the positions that they have. The, um, you know, short, short field positions will do that. You know, mm -hmm. and they were doing a good job spreading the ball around uh, on the ground. You know, um, yeah, they, you know, had 170 yards on the ground, uh, six of it coming from Dak, so 101 by running backs, um, or by design rush plays, I should say. Excuse me. 
Yep. So you're looking at it like that, and it's like that. That kind of starts to add up. They start to the clock a little bit, you know, and yeah. So it's it's one of those games where it's one of those games where Dallas controlled the game very very well. Mm-hmm. That's all they did from start to finish. They just controlled the game. They didn't really do anything. Tried to do anything too risky, or you know, put try and push the ball downfield. They just wanted to get those plays to get those first downs, and they did that you know, very very well. And Johnny Hecker for the Panthers, he only averaged like forty eight yards per punt with mm-hmm. along the sixty one, you know, and he only had one touchback and one within the twenty. So like on three of his punts, that means that he was giving up good field position. And then the two turnovers, that's good field position. So you just got to go finish the drive there. And that's exactly what the Cowboys did, was they went ahead and just finished off the drives and opportunities that were given to them. And that's what they've been doing all season. Um, You know, the the Cowboys controlled the game. And I think you said it best. You know, they just controlled the game from front to back, and that was that. Yeah, I mean, it was a... Pretty easy game for the Cowboys, and I think that's really why they just controlled the game because they never they they knew that the game was never that there was never a threat of them losing. I guess you know Bryce like Bryce Young kind of played how I thought he was going to play. He had a a poor game, 123 yards passing, touchdown interception. I didn't expect a lot from that Panthers offense. What do you think the possibility is of him having like a, a bounce back year next year? Bryce Young? Yeah. Pretty high. I mean, like, here's the thing is, you know, the Panthers haven't started their rebuild yet. And with their signings and shit, you know, these one year deals and these deals that are about to expire and shit, you know, they're gonna let a lot of guys go, especially these older guys. And then they're gonna go and pick up players, you know, like they got their QB, they got the guy they want. They know who they're building around. I don't think Bryce Young's the issue nearly as much as, you know, his offensive line and, you know, their running attack, you know, like mm-hmm. Trevor Hubbard and Miles Sanders, I think have proven that this season, you know, that they are not RB1 material. Miles Sanders had his chance. He looked like an RB1 when he was with Philadelphia, but, you know, keep in mind he had help, you know, dominant offensive line. Yeah, in a dominant offensive line, and a lot of his points, you know, be a fancy. That's why he's such a fancy sleeper. Like the last few seasons, he was with Philadelphia, was off reception. He wasn't the type of running back that was going to go ahead and grind your yards and go ahead and get you in a position to win the game just off of his legs alone. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like he was catching a lot. He's he has very good hands, and that's not how the Panthers are utilized. You know, uh, I think they're going to clean house at coaching. You know. It's just, like, I think that they need to reset everything because you do have Bryce Young, who's very talented, and you see it. You see flashes of it. It's just you don't see how much talent he has when he's getting sacked seven times. You know, we were talking about this a little bit with Zach Wilson the other, the other yeah. day. You know, it it really doesn't help you when you're getting sacked all game long. Um, so far this season, he's been sacked 36 times, and he's been sacked four or more times throughout the season seven times mm-hmm. so seven times out of ten games he's been sacked four or more times that's not acceptable you can't let your QB be getting hit like that consistently and especially a rookie um, you know I think Bryce Young will get better at releasing quicker I, 
he already does release pretty quickly, honestly. Um, but it just doesn't help his case when, you know, he's trying to get a play to develop and he's getting blown up. You know, he only had 16 completions on 29 attempts, but he only had yeah. one hit, too, you know. And that's just a reflection of how good that Cowboys defense is, but it's also a reflection on how bad this Panthers offensive line is. And I think as this offensive line improves and as Bryce Young gets used to the speed of the game a little bit more, he's going to go ahead and be better. Um, it's also one of those yeah. things where it's like they don't have their first-round pick this year. And I think that's kind of the damning thing if you're a Panthers fan. It's like, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you're like, at least we're picking in the top five. No, you're not, nope. you know, because, you know, like, so the I Bears think are. <laughs> Panthers, yeah, the Bears are picking twice in the top five. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, you look at it like, man, I don't know. Like, that that hurts them the most, but they, they'll still get good players and they still have value. But it's also one of those things where, like, you know, throughout the season, you know, Chubba Hubbard and Miles Sanders only have 670 682 yards mm -hmm. collectively and you just can't have that you know like you need to have a better rushing attack that's a that's reflective of their offensive line and also i just don't think Chubba hubbard and miles sanders are the best running backs um you know adam thielen is your best receiver by a mile he has 726 yards on 76 reception the next closest receiver is dj shark with 229 yards on 17 receptions you know it's it goes back to what I was just saying, you know, like you don't, he doesn't, he doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the running attack. He doesn't have the offensive line. He has no help. We were, we, we were sitting there and saying how good this Panthers defense was and how good it should be in this past all season, but they took a step down, you know, a couple of key losses throughout the all season. And also, you know, like they're just injury riddled throughout, throughout their whole entire roster, you know, Shaq Thompson's down. You know, Jeremy Chin's down, Justin Houston's down, you know, like we're talking about a lot of key positions that just they're not they're not there on. Um, you know, you look at the defense and it's just like, yeah, you know, uh they got Derek Brown still, they got Brian Burns still, but you know, they are really missing Shaq Thompson. They are really missing, you know, Justin Houston, they are really missing Jeremy Chin. You know, those are key defensive spots that, you know, they have good veteran guys that they're paying a lot of money for um, that just aren't playing. And, you know, offensively, like, Adam Thielen shouldn't be your primary weapon. You know, um, you're not going to win a lot of games with Adam Thielen being your primary weapon. And that's not a gash on Adam Thielen. It's just, you know, it's kind of like the Larry Fitzgerald theory. You know, like, the Cardinals always had a really good wide receiver one with Larry Fitzgerald. It's just... You know, you need something else other than that as well. Um, DJ Shark is definitely talented enough. It's just, you know, Bryce Young isn't getting enough time in the pocket to utilize him to his maximum potential. And the same thing with Chanel as well, you know, especially on four, four receiver sets that we see Panthers try to go into sometimes. It's just, it's looking rough, man. Uh, so with the Panthers, I don't know, like, I think that they're expecting to be better this year than one and nine. I think they're expecting to go probably right around 500 and be picking in the middle of the round. And that's why they were willing to make that trade. But all chaos has pursued for the Texans or for the Panthers, excuse me. And, you know, when you're rebuilding a team, you really want to have that first round pick. And 
especially if you're picking number one overall, which is looking like the Panthers might be. Um, now the Bears. And that's that's a tough thing to deal with. Uh, but that goes ahead and leads us into our next game, where Austin predicted that the Titans would win 24-21, and I predicted that the Titans would win as well 24-13, but the Jags end up getting their act together, and they're able to score early and quickly. Uh, we seen Will Levis put on a good performance, uh, 158 yards, two touchdowns, only sacked twice, um, averaging 9.3 yards per completion. Um, but on the running side of the ball, you know, we're talking about them not giving the ball enough, and the Jaguars' defense just played good. Um, I just don't think that they got the job done as effectively as they needed to. You know, uh, Derrick Henry had 10 carries, 38 yards, and DeAndre Hopkins had four receptions, 59 yards, touchdown. You know, those are your highlights for the game. Um, proving DeAndre Hopkins is still a viable flex start. Um, we had questions about that going into the week. I think that he's proven that he is a viable flex. And Will Levis has proven that, you know, he's a good QB too in a lot of ways. Uh, but when you flip to the other side of the ball, you, know, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars that are now 7-3, leading that division over the Texans by one game and by the Colts by two games. And Trevor Lawrence goes and has himself a day, 262 yards, two TDs, very good performance. So Travis Etienne goes ahead and gets 14 carries for 52 yards. He also gets three receptions, seven receiving yards to so go ahead and stack that up as well. And, you know, a solid fantasy performance there as well. Um, about 10, 11 points, solid flex. Um, so, you know, a low game fantasy-wise for ETN, but, you know, realistically, you know, he still had a pretty good game uh, in real life. And then you look at Calvin Ridley, who has seven receptions, 103 yards, two TDs, just fucking had a field day. Uh, I don't think that this is going to end up being a consistent performer. What about you, Austin? Do you think Calvin Ridley will be able to keep up a similar performance stat line for seven receptions, 103 yards, and two TDs a game for the rest of the season? Calvin Austin? Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, okay. I thought you said Calvin Austin. When did we jump back to the game? <laughs> no. Uh, I think he has that potential, but I don't think it's going to happen. So do you think he has a lot to stay at wide receiver two at least? Yeah, I, I, well, I yeah, comfortable wide receiver two, for sure. But I don't think we're going to see hundred plus yards from him every game. You know, I think it's more realistic that we see, you know, 70, 60 to seventy type range. Yeah, with an occasional, yeah. with an occasional hundred yard performance, like every two to three games, every three games or so. Yeah, I can see that. So I do kind of think this game was a little bit of an outlier. I do, for sure. Um, you know, he did put up 83 yards against the Steelers, six receptions, <laughs> 10 targets, but, you know, that's his other highlight game of the season other than against Buffalo and the Colts early on, um, which he had 101 yards, one touchdown against the Colts, eight receptions. Buffalo, seven receptions, 122 yards, no TD. Um, but, you know, um, I think... I think, honestly, we will see consistently 70, 80-plus yard performances for the rest of the season, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get five receptions. So, you know, with that being said, comfortable. I think he's a comfortable wide receiver at this juncture. I think he's coming into his own. You know, guy didn't play for a damn year and a half, and now he's yeah, finally starting to get into the swing. He's definitely doing better than I expected. Yes. For sure. Um, 
I, I get the argument for wide receiver one. I feel more comfortable putting him at wide receiver two, the time being at least. Um, just to kind of until we get more consistent performance from him. You know, again, those 70-yard games. Because, like, his his last, let's see, whatever, um, six games, he had 103 yards, 20 yards, 83 yards, 5 yards, 30 yards, 120 yards. Right, so he definitely has proven that he has that potential to be that wide receiver one, even that elite wide receiver one, you know, that top five category. But I don't think he's quite there yet. I think you should be starting him more as a wide receiver two to low wide receiver th- or the high wide receiver three. That type range, you know. So definitely, like every I think he flex, like definitely, definitely in every 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 week flex for sure. Yes. Um, but it kind of seems like Christian Kirk might be that one to start every week as that wide receiver one type role. I can see that. I, t- I feel more comfortable with that, but I think I think sooner I'm than later, I think sooner than later, later really is going to take over that wide receiver room though. Yep. Uh, you know, as the season went on, I thought it would be this year, but it's proven that it's not going to be this year, and that's looking like it might be more next year, which is understandable because, like you said, that dude took they re- they really take, but he was off, he wasn't playing football for a year plus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's understandable. Like a half season injury with the Falcons. Which mm-hmm. is exactly when he got his suspension. Um, mind you, should I remind everybody that Calvin really got a full season suspension while Deshaun Watson had what seven games for sexually assaulting women? Ele- so eleven. Eleven. Yep. So wild, 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 wild. It, it, you, we're not gonna get too much into it because uh, no need to, but it 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 blows my mind the way. The NFL decides to handle suspensions. Yeah. And how they 100%. decide to levy the punishment. It it baffles me every time. Yep. Because sports betting, I don't think should be illegal for football players. Now they kind of just introduced a rule not too long ago where as long as you don't do it on team facilities and I believe games you play in. NFL games, period. NF- oh, NFL games, period. Okay then you're fine, which I think is good. Um, I would even like to see them allow NFL betting, just not on your own team. Mm-hmm. You know, just not for, like, the Jags, for example, or the Titans or the Steelers, if you're a Steelers yeah. player kind of thing. I'd be I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you know, I'm like, glad they changed the rule. Think, I'm glad they changed the rule. The, I guess the thing that irks me the most about the whole thing is I would get it if he bet against the Falcons because he was on the Falcons at the time. Um but he didn't. He bet for the Falcons to win. Like, it's not... And that, you know, that's a big deal. Because it's like, you know, if you're betting on your own team to win, you're doing that anyways. You know, like, if you're betting against your team, then there's an issue. But if you're betting on your own team to win, it shouldn't be, like... I don't think that should be punished at all. I don't think it should be, like, advised at all. I think if you bet on your own team to win, then you're fine. I don't think it should be problematic at all. Yeah, I mean, it's different if you're trying to fix the game, right? Purposely lose to win a bet or whatever, like we saw in previous sports. That is different. Then I could understand the suspension. You're just betting in general when you're not even playing. I think it's kind of ludicrous. Kind of crazy. For your own team to win? 
yeah but crazy it's wild don't make sense i will never understand you know what else is wild nfl is crazy the nfl is crazy tyreek hill is also wild nah he's he's slow what you mean how's he look <laughs> that man's sad receptions that man got tom brady's that man's got tom brady speed hey bro I think you're getting yourself mixed up with Tariq Hill on your fantasy football or your fight football game last week. <laughs> nah, bro. Nah, dude. <laughs> nah, Tariq. 10 receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Yo, if Aiden O'Connell doesn't have those... If he only has one spin over... If he only has one, one pick, I think that's a much different game. Yeah, you predicted that the Dolphins were going to win 31-17. I predicted 24-14 Raiders ended up being 2013 Fins. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, the score doesn't re- really reflect how good Tua Tungavailoa was that game. Um, 325 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Monster fantasy week. 86 yards on the ground uh, from Raheem Moser. Yep. Uh, Tyreek Hill, as I mentioned at the top, uh, 10 receptions, 146 yards of TD, so just... Monster fantasy week, fucking thirty point week. <laughs> Wide receiver, that's insane. Um, but you know, you flip over to the Raiders side of the ball, and right, I think you hit it right on the money. If O'Connell doesn't have those three picks, the Raiders win this must win game. Like this might have put the Raiders outside of the grasp for the playoffs. Like their season might be done. This loss, this was a must win game, and I think this wasn't just a must win game for the Raiders to you know statistically get in. But also, I think this was a must-win game because it was like, the Dolphins are a tough team. If you can beat the Dolphins right now, then you can beat any team in the NFL. They're just one yeah. team. They're dominant and teams. The Raiders put up a good fight. They proved that their defense is good enough to hang with anybody, but their offense still leaves too many questions, especially with Aiden O'Connell. Uh, which, you know, honestly, like, if Jimmy Garoppolo was starting in this game, I don't think that they would have even put up 13 points. I think Aiden O'Connell might be the answer. Um, he's a rookie, so you know the offense looks so much better. Yeah, the offense looks so much better. Like you, you got to remember he's a rookie, and it seems like these late round draft pick rookies never get the fair shake. You know, we give the nod to Bryce Young for being a rookie, and that's okay. But you know, Aiden O'Connell, who was taken in the fourth round, I believe, um, doesn't get a nod at all because he is taken in the fourth round, and he's expected to be better than Bryce Young. <laughs> you know, like that's not fair. <laughs> No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, see, the the Raiders fell down the twelfth in overall standings mm-hmm. for the playoff picture. Uh, with the Ravens win, oh, let's see here. So they're up to number one since the Eagles or since the the Chiefs lost. So now Baltimore yep. has the number one seed. It's kind of cool, kind of good for them, I guess. Whatever. Fuck the Ravens. Fuck the Ravens. <laughs> Fuck the Ravens, man. I'm so over them. <laughs> that was perfect timing. Did anything really stand out to you in this game? Any surprises for you? Or is it kind of... No, you know, I think I think you and I both knew the game was going to come down to Aiden O'Connell being good or not. And that's what the game did come down to, was, you know, the Raiders just needed him not to throw those three picks. You know, if he doesn't throw those three picks, he probably has a 300-plus yard day and two touchdowns, and that's the difference. You know, yeah. it would have held the – I mean, you got to keep in mind, man, like the Raiders' defense played really fucking well. 
you know, they're forcing turnovers too. You know, um, they ended up getting three yeah. turnovers that game. So, like, they made the game playable. Just, you know, if Aiden O'Connell throws one less interception and one more touchdown, this game goes to overtime and they might they might have won it. And that's, that's saying he only throws one less interception. You know, living in the world of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's tough to see, you know, a guy I mentioned earlier, Robert Splain, who had 13 top tackles, Mo Rake, who's been coming into his own, had 10 tackles. You know, when you have 10, mm-hmm. 20 tackles in the middle of the field, you're going to win a lot of those games and keep those games close, and that's exactly what the Raiders did. You know, Max Crosby comes out, gets a sack, and a tackle for a loss, pass deflection, two QB hits. You know, they're getting pressure on Tua. They're doing what they needed to do. Um, just they weren't able to finish the job, and I think that's been the story for the Raiders this whole season is just – they haven't been able to finish the job. But I do think Aiden O'Connell might be worth entertaining as your guy at QB, you know. I mean, at this point, you might as well just let him play out. Yeah, and, you know, find out. Yeah, because, like, I think I think you could actually entertain the conversation of him being your guy. and You don't need to draft a guy this year, you know. I think you could build around Aiden O'Connell and work around this team. And I think you could honestly do something with him he looks good when you're watching him he's aware he's got mobility um mm-hmm. he's just a very good quarterback all around yeah because i'm trying to look up at his all his starts at he's a very good quarterback all around at this stage of his career as a you know if he's playing similar to this next season then it's very problem yeah i think he also does have the benefit of being a fourth round pick because with that comes yeah. a less pressure. Mm-hmm. Right, so if he does play the same next year, people won't be questioning him as hard as they'll be questioning someone like Fresh Young, for example. Right, so okay, so in his five previous starts, he, he's done fairly well. Yeah. Looks yeah, good. Yeah, you know, he hasn't... I don't think he's had yeah. more than one turnover the rest of the season other than against the Dolphins so you know that's pretty good yeah because um, against the Giants not against- he had 209 yards no touchdowns no interceptions against the Jets 153 yards one touchdown one interception and then today 271 yards or not today but on Sunday 271 yards one touchdown and three interceptions so hasn't played bad yeah you know and, but in those but in he's two and two right now as a starter. Yep. So I mean, I, I think he's he's played well enough to continue playing it and see where things go, see how things play out. I think the Raiders definitely made the right choice in in firing Josh McDaniels. I'm bringing up the linebackers coach. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, right. you know. The th- the thing is with Josh McDaniels is like I I love I love Damian Pierce going up and being the head coach. She got a Super Bowl winning coach. Um he won one with the Giants. Um I can't remember what team he beat. That's neither here nor there. Uh anyways. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Anyways, you know. Could you remind me of what team it was? I just really can't. That's all I got to say to you, man. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> but no, the Patriots. Actually, the Patriots, thank you. 
but you know it's funny that you know the patriot slayer takes over for the the patriot haysayer or not yeah. haysayer but fucking servant you know mm -hmm. you can't go into a meeting with your team and get at them for talking bad about the patriot if you're the head coach of a different team right. you just can't like the team's getting hyped up they're saying yeah fuck the patriots you know we're we're the raiders and then you're like no don't don't talk about bill belichick that way like come on bro chill the fuck out you know damien pierce you know he comes in and you, you you see an automatic change you see this team's hungry to win and they put up a competitive fight against dolphins and i think that they had their guy at head coach and you know i think if aiden o'connell goes and gets two or three more wins throughout the rest of the season i think that the raiders are going to be comfortable with him at the helm you know because you don't need a guy that's going to be an elite passer right now like this could be a deep playoff push team if aiden o'connell makes improvements next year and you know they they keep they keep the group together on defense you know throughout the rest of this season things are looking kind of scary for the raiders they got the chiefs twice they got the vikings chargers second game against the chiefs uh, Colts and Broncos, you know, so they got a tough lineup coming up, and I can only see them winning one or two of these games realistically, and that's okay, you know, that's okay if you're the Raiders. Your, you know, expectations coming into the season, I don't think was necessarily playoffs, but you know, mm -hmm. this past week I was planning, I was saying Josh Jacobs should go ahead and go off. Um, it's starting to get to be that time of his, time of the year for him, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, yeah, he 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 went the great upset way. Yep, he just he heard you say. He heard you say so. I was like, let me not do that. Hey, it's, it's <laughs> that Steelers, Ravens, Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, let's just do completely bad. <laughs> yeah. How much of that do you think yeah. was because of the, the Dolphins defense versus play calling? I mean, man, I don't think it was the Dolphins defense, if you want to be honest. You know, it just seemed like he's sluggish when you're watching film. Mm -hmm. I think is a Josh Jacobs issue more than mm -hmm. anything else you know they gave him opportunities they gave him 14 carries he only got 39 yards you know they could have stuck to the run a little bit longer he gave him probably six more carries but mm -hmm. you know you're playing against the dolphins you recognize how scary the shit can get really quick and broncos learned that one yeah yeah the broncos learned that one 70 to 20 <laughs> yeah <laughs> like <laughs> devastating bro um fucking madden score <laughs> bro for um, real but you know like they could have gave the ball to josh jacobs a little bit more and probably got him running a little bit harder later in the half um later in the second half but mm -hmm. you know they just also just they passed the ball a little bit too frequently i think you know with hindsight you would have ran the ball a little bit more especially with o'connell throwing three picks but that tells me that they trust O'Connell enough to give him a chance to win a game for him, and he just didn't come through. But I don't think that's going to be permanent standing for him. I think that this is a lesson to be learned and he can be better in the future. Yeah, I think he has a bright future. Me too. Talking about another team with a bright future coming up. We're just the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears. Go and visit Detroit. Uh, they have two top five draft picks coming up from the looks of things. They're currently 3-8. Justin Fields, all over 2369 yards. Yeah, honestly. Uh, one TD, no picks. You know, at this juncture, do you think Justin Fields is the issue? No, I, I don't. 
Um, he also had a bear four yards on the ground. The Bears have a pretty good defense. Uh, they have a what's the making of a a good offense, right? And what that mean by that is they have a good quarterback. I think they have a good running back in Claire Herbert. I think he's a pretty solid, pretty solid running back, and I'd be happy to have him on my team. And then they got one good receiver, DJ Moore, and then their tight end, Cole Clement. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention him. Jeez, come on now. Um, but what where I think they're really lacking is other weapons. Right, is when they can't rely on DJ Moore and Cole Komet. When he can't rely on those guys to get open and to throw to them, where is he going to go with the ball? Right, they they don't really have any other solid wide receivers that you can rely on. They don't have a good number two. Yeah, and I think that's their biggest weakness right now, because you don't want to rely on Dal- Darnell Mooney, or you know someone like Tyler Scott or Saint Brown. TB or no, not Amon Ra. Not Amon Ra. No. We'll get to Amon Ra. Same. Yeah, as well. his brother. His brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, in their offensive line, I would argue is pretty good. They've been playing better. It seems like as of late. I would say, oh. but if the, the Bears want to actually seriously, be, if they want to be taken serious, they need to go out and, and make some splash moves on the offensive side of the ball and get some better weapons for Justin Fields. Yep, 100%. I, I don't think, I don't get the argument that he's the problem, which is what some people want to make. Uh, because when he watches his game film, he looks good. Right? He yep. he can throw, he can move, he can run. He's quick, he's agile, he makes pretty good reads most of the time. Uh, he gets the ball out quickly, he doesn't get sacked a ton. He can escape that pressure and roll out and still make the throws while on the run. He, dare I say, the answer for the Bears at quarterback, uh, it's just the Bears were not ready for Justin Fields. Yeah, that they were not ready to do what what's needed to be, to give him the tools to succeed, the players to succeed around him. Right. So that's what I would like to see them do this this coming draft is with one of those top five, assuming they have two top fives, right? Because it still might have, fall out one of them. Their pick might fall out the top five. Um, they're definitely yeah 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 but I would like to see him go out and get some like Marvin Harrison I would love to see it it'd be insane I'm gonna say it every I'm gonna gonna say it every week I want him to get Marvin Harrison because then that gives them two legit targets but really three because then you'd have DJ Moore Marvin Harrison and Cole Clement you know if the Bears have this first overall pick do they take Marvin Harrison with the number one overall Maybe because it's possible the Giants try and snipe him at like three or four. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what I'm kind of so. And like, the thing is, like the Bears don't need offensive line. Like, you see a quarterback that scrambles around a lot, and like, you know, like you see a running game that's not efficient. Like, usually you blame the offensive line, but when you're watching the tape, it's like, you know, they have a good old line. Like, they finish off blocks. You know, you got Tevin Jenkins who. It's just a player I'm in love with. Um, if Tevin Jenkins was on a team like the Chiefs or the Eagles, he'd be regarded as one of the best guards in the NFL, which, in my opinion, he is. Um, you got Darnell Wright at right tackle. Um, you got Braxton Jones at left tackle. You got Nate Davis, who 
is a known mauler from Tennessee. He has mm-hmm. really good offensive line. And Lucas Patrick, like, you got Cody Whitehair deep on that roster as well. Um, you know, like, I think I think they have pieces on the offensive line to be a really elite offensive line. It just comes down to exactly what you said, is the wide receiver room's too thin. They don't have enough talent at wide receiver. And, you know, DJ Moore is a good wide receiver, one. But, like, I think he's be a better wide receiver, too. You don't want DJ Moore to be your wide receiver. You want, you know, like, a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. to be your wide receiver, one. And the reason we're so high on Marvin Harrison is, like, he's a lot. You know, he's, you're talking about a great character guy which I think the Bears need that. You know, they need a guy who comes into that locker room and says, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen him say this, but he said something along the lines of, you know, by the end of my career, I don't care about all the accolades I get. You know, it's almost like he's saying, yeah, I know I'm going to get accolades. Yeah, I know I'm going to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I already know that. I want to make (laughs) people happy as possible. And that's a big deal. You know, like, you don't have to deal with your George Pickens issue that the Steelers are dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to deal with, you know, Elijah Moore going out and saying how bad the Jets' offense is a couple seasons ago and ultimately going over to the Browns or an Odell Beckham situation when he was on the Browns, you know. You don't have to deal with that. You deal with a guy that has good character that wants to see your team win. And when you can get that type of character in your locker room, I think he's worth the first overall pick. That's why you take quarterbacks with the first overall pick, because they tend to be your leader. Mm-hmm. And if Marvin Harrison can end up being the leader alongside Justin Fields, I think it's a perfect dynamic for this Bears team to turn around. You know, Take him with them, um, number one, because that risk is high that he's, that he's not there at, say, five. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants try to take him because they also need to upgrade that wide receiver room heavy. Mm-hmm. So if the Bears pass on him, Giants might swipe him at four, and then they might lose their chance to get one of the more generational talents in this coming draft. You know? Yeah, and, you know, like, something else, I want to circle on the Bears still a little bit deeper. You know, they got Nagakwe, Yannick Nagakwe, mm-hmm. uh, at defensive end. Now they got Montez Sweat as defensive end. You got your edge rushers, Salt. You have your edge rush issue solved. You know, you don't need to worry about getting an edge rusher in that top five pick. So, you know, what does that leave open? Well, you got Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of the field, who's one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. You know, when he was with the Bills, he had that high regard because he was on a playoff team. Now that he's mm-hmm. with the Bears, like, it seems like everybody forgot his name. Eddie Jackson, who I think is a top five safety in the NFL, doesn't get nearly the love he deserves because the Bears are a bad team. So now you're looking at the other positions. Like, you got Jalen Johnson, who's a solid corner. Um, he's been making a name for himself. But you got Kyler Gordon at your other corner, who's, like, mediocre at best. You know, mm-hmm. your, your weak side linebacker and your strong side linebacker are definitely leaving questions. Um, you got Noah Swell at your strong side linebacker, but he's been coming off injury. Um, it's just, like, this defense, you know, has been a strong point for the Bears these past few years. Just they have good pieces. Just they have those gaping holes in between. Like we were talking about with the Texans this offseason. Um, yeah. If they go ahead and fill those gaping holes with, you know, like the defensive tackle out of uh, Illinois, I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. Um, that'd be a great pickup. You know, in, in the second round, they're picking early. You know, they get the guy out of Penn State. 
uh, at corner, then, you know, you have a very successful draft just and I think those two pieces would literally turn around this Bears off or this Bears defense and you know, so their first three picks being Marvin Harrison, uh interior defensive lineman from Illinois. I can't remember his name. I'll look it up. Um Wait, hold on, I got it back. What is it again? From what uh from Illinois defensive interior defensive tackle. Okay. So why can't I see it? So I'm looking at a mock draft right now, and they have the Bears taking Caleb Williams number one overall at the moment. Yeah, and then the Cardinals taking he, Marvin Harrison. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then this other one, they have the Bears taking Marvin Harrison number one overall, which I love. I think that's the right yeah. pick for him. I agree. I don't think there's really any other pick for him to take. Because wide receiver is your biggest need, and you're getting one of the best receivers we've seen in a long time. 100%. So I, I don't I don't foresee them passing. I don't think you can. And they're definitely not going to take quarterback because, like we've talked about, Justin Fields is not the not the reason. You know, he's not the issue. Exactly. Did you find that oh. hard yet? I'm getting it pulled up still. Okay. But... While we go ahead and get that sorted, how about you go ahead and lead us into the Lions side of the ball? Jared Goff throwing two touchdowns, three interceptions. Oh, are you talking about Keith Randolph Jr.? Uh, or are you talking about no, I'm Newton? Jerzon Newton. Jerzon okay. Newton. Yeah, I just saw that. I just saw that. Okay. Yeah, Jerzon Newton is a stud, and he he might be a little bit of a reach for the Bears, but like... They're calling with top 10 assuming. Yeah, you know... um, it's really realistic that they go and get both those guys, and that ends up being a big change for what the Bears are trying to do. And I'm talking about Kalen King out of Penn State um, when I'm talking about corner. And, you know, there's a chance that the Bears trade back to, like, where the Falcons are, mm-hmm. maybe even the Packers or the Bucks, and they still get Newton, and they might be able to slide back into that first round and get Kalen King. And, you know, worst-case scenario, they trade back, and Kool-Aid McKinstry is still on the board. And, you know, that's definitely not a bad draft pick to get either. And there's also Cooper DeJean, who, you know, I think is going to be good, but I'm much more high on Kalen King and McKinstry, personally. Um, and, of course, Tate Wiggins is in that discussion as well. And you think they'd be good fits for the Bears? Yeah, I think specifically Kalen King is the best pick for the Bears. Um, Kool-Aid McKinstry, like, McKinstry is like just like he's the standard cornerback. Like mm-hmm. I don't think that I think he's plug and play in any defense, which is one of the highest regards you can give to a quarterback going into the NFL. Um, he could just go in any defense, just like Christian Gonzalez could. Um, mm-hmm. And the Patriots got a steal with him. Uh, Kool Aid McKinstry is just a similar type player, just very talented, very physical, very lengthy, very just. He has all the assets there. Um, but then, you know, you look at a guy like Kalen King and he's that, he's that physical type. He's that Joey Porter Jr. type, you know, that tough, nasty, gritty type. And he plays over in Penn State, just like JPJ did. And Mm -hmm. when JPJ was there, you know, that's why no one was passing him. And this season we're seeing a similar result with Penn State, you know, Kalen King's leading the secondary to not let, to be a no fly zone. You know, I think with the addition of Kalen King, because check it with these three draft picks, this is the difference. 
Justin Fields at quarterback, Khalil Herbert at running back, DJ Moore at wide receiver one to start the season, Marvin Harrison at wide receiver two, and Darnell Mooney at wide receiver three, Cole Komet. And then we talked about their offensive line pretty in-depth already, and you have a really good offensive line. You switch to the defensive side of the ball. You got Nagakwe, and you have uh, Newton at your defensive tackle. And then you have uh, Justin Jones or Andrew Billings, whoever you're feeling more comfortable with, and you can rotate them, honestly, because they're both serviceable players. And you got Montez Sweat on the other side, mm-hmm. and you know, your linebacker core doesn't really change, but you can always pick that up free agency pretty cheap. And you should be able to have enough spending money this offseason to go ahead and improve that linebacking core. Then you go ahead and have Jalen Johnson, who's been playing really well this season at your left side corner. You got Jaquan Brisker, who's a mediocre at best safety, but you probably replace safety pretty cheap and get an upgrade this offseason as well. Eddie Jackson, who I still love at free safety. I think that he's still a really good safety that doesn't get his roses. And then you replace Kyler Gordon with a guy like King. Well, now where's the hole on that Bears roster? They're looking a lot better. Plus, that's not counting any free agents moves that they also make, too, on top yeah. of that. You know, so it's like... Yeah. I would love to see them make that moves, but that ownership group and GM just leave a lot to be desired to not make moves that are smart or make sense. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just go in the complete opposite direction. I'm being honest. (laughs) Yeah. Be real. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I can hope hope otherwise. You know, the Bears are almost there. And, like, I think when you draft Justin Fields, you know, Justin Fields wants to win games for an organization that isn't winning games. And I think that speaks more to like how much of a leader he is than people want to give him credit. You know, yeah. If Justin Fields was like just a mediocre quarterback, then the Bears wouldn't have stayed in this game twenty six to thirty one and almost fucking win it. You know, Justin yeah. Fields wasn't the reason that they lost this game. You know, he had a fumble, but he didn't lose it. Um, he's always take. he's always been a high character type of guy. Exactly, and you yeah. know, like. He's able to get the ball down the field. We've seen that. He's able to run the ball in sketchy situations. We've seen that. You know, it's just one of those things where the Bears are right there. I thought that they'd be there this season, but they proved me otherwise because of those gaping abysses at several positions, you know, wide receiver being one of them, and specifically defensive line, linebacker, and cornerback. You know, like, you got four positions that you need to address badly because those are where you're getting hurt the worst. You know, that's why, you know, Amon Ra came out and had himself a fucking field day. Yes, because they the Bears run a base four three defense on a lot of snaps. You know, you're not you're not switching over, you know, Jalen Johnson over to that side of the field. That's why he only has two tackles. He did have a pass breakup, but you know They did have three interceptions as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and like Kyler Gordon, you know, like you can't leave him on an island with Amon Ra. And that's what happened was he was just getting burnt up by Amon Ra and mm-hmm. just can't let that happen. I think, you know, Amon Ra had five receptions or six receptions on him. Not acceptable. You can't be letting wide receivers get out of hand like that, you know. And if, you know, if they had that other cornerback, check it. Like, they would have won this game. If they would have had a solid second corner, they would have won this game. They would have shut down Amon Ra and then their top receiver would have been Jameer Gibbs at six receptions, 59 yards. And let's assume that Amon Ra had half his production 
four mm-hmm. receptions for about 40 yards, you know, that's a completely different story. And Jared Goff was already having a tough time. As you mentioned, he had three interceptions, but he did have two touchdowns. Um, yep. Montgomery went out and had himself a field day, 76 yards, 6.3 yards per carry and a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, eight carries, 36 yards and a touchdown, you know, both showing fancy relevance. Jameer Gibbs, as I said, had six receptions, 59 yards as well. So most of his fantasy relevance coming through the air. Um, that TD definitely did help him and help his case uh, to pursue like relevance. And I think I'd be comfortable starting either of these running backs at running back two at least. Yeah, me too. I would I would also agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, how how would you bring? the Lions as a whole against the rest of the NFC? I think they are the best team. Best team? Even in, against compared to the Bulldogs? Even connect, even against the Georgia Eagles. <laughs> the Philadelphia Georgia Bulldogs. Yep. You know. No, like you know, the thing is with the Lions is we've seen more grit from the Lions. Um, and it's just like, what's the argument against the Lions? Like, they have one more loss, sure. But the Eagles, I think the Eagles and the Lions are right on the same tier. And if I had to pick a team, I'd rather, like, if they go against each other in the NFC Championship, I'm taking the Lions. Like, I think that they're the better team, you know, um, like, it just boils down to one of those situations where, like, I just like how their team's built a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Like, I like how the Eagles are built, but, you know, like, with the Lions, you have Jared Goff at quarterback has been proving that he is good enough to be in that high-caliber quarterback. You know, he is proven that he can be statistically a top-five quarterback throughout the season. And, you know, if he's not top-five, he's top-ten. Yeah. And, I just you got a great one-two punch at running back, which the Eagles don't have that great one-two punch. You know, they have they have Swift, who had a two or three game stretch where he was just elite, and then he's been good since. Um, you got three really good wide receivers with Amon Ra, Josh Reynolds, Jamison Williams. You got Khalif Raymond and Dominic People Jones on the bench. You know, like really solid. You got Sam Laporta, who's a fucking stud. You got a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. which, like, I think that their offensive line at this juncture is better than the Eagles. You got a really great defensive line, which I give that edge to the Eagles. The Eagles do have a better defensive line, but the Lions aren't far behind. You know, I yeah. say that the Eagles had the best defensive line in the NFL, and the Lions have probably the third or fourth best defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, so let- then, you know, you go into their secondary, and you got Cameron Sutton. You got Brian Branch at safety. You got Kirby Joseph. You got Jerry Jacobs, who have all proven to be very serviceable. You got Derek Browns, Alex Anzalone, and Jack Campbell at linebacker. You know, you have, like, where's the hole on this team? You know, with the Eagles, like, it feels like, you know, their cornerback, too, leaves a little bit to be desired. You know, with their offensive line, it leaves a bit to be desired, especially with the departure of Isaac Samalu. You know, um, that's the reason I'm comfortable with saying, you know, I'd take the line. I get it. Um, I'm just, I'm just used to hating the Lions, and it's and it's fun for me to hate the Lions at this point. It's kind of, kind of like my bit, if you yeah. will. Uh, and, and so I, I continue to hope for their downfall, which is why it pays me pains me to say that they're actually a good team. And 
I don't think they're quite on the level of the Eagles because personally, I would still pick the Eagles and the 49ers to win that game. Um, but they have made a a drastic improvement, and I think they're a force to be reckoned with for at least the next five years. So, like, here's my thing with the Lions, too. You know, like, you got to keep in mind, they have two losses this season. Well, let's look at those losses. They lost to a good Seattle team in overtime. They got smacked around by the Ravens. Sure. But, you know, they had a bad game this season, and they lost to the Seahawks and a nail-biter. But then, you know, look at their wins. You know, it goes back to what we were talking about with Michigan, funny enough, about a week or two ago. Um, what we were talking, do they deserve to be in the college playoffs? Which, you know, after their win this past week, they definitely mm-hmm. Um Yeah. I guess Penn State, I guess Maryland. You know, the Maryland game made us raise some eyebrows, but they can get back an- under control with Idaho State. Topic for another time. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but, you know, like, with the Lions, you know, they beat the Chiefs in a, in a nail-biter, but then they go smack the Falcons, they go and smack the Packers, they go and smack the Packers, Panthers, then they go and smack the Buccaneers, they get smacked by the Ravens, but then they go and beat the Raiders by two scores. They go and get a nail-biter against the Chargers, and then they have a pretty close game against the Bears. Um, now they go to Green Bay. They Well, they have Green Bay come visit them. Then they go to Big Easy. Then they go to Chicago. Then they host Denver, go to Minnesota, go to Dallas, and then they host Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So that that's how like it's looking right now like you know honestly i think i think their only hard competition is going to be the cowboys through the rest of the stretch and i think they beat the cowboys like what can you like the thing is they're dominant in their wins usually like several other games they've blown out teams mm-hmm. yeah they've only gotten blown out once and they their other loss is a close game, you know, and they beat the Chiefs. They beat the Chiefs set. They went past the Chiefs test, you know. So now, like, it's just the reason I say that the best team is just they're young and they're growing throughout the season and they're not feeling the growing pain because they have a veteran mindset. You know, offensively, they're very veteran oriented at this juncture, uh, other than wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's kind of how you want it to be, too. You want you want your wide receivers to be young, and you want to have good young guys. So that's exactly how I I want it to be. You know, I give the edge to the Lions with wide receivers. I give the edge to the Lions with offensive line. I give the edge to the Eagles and the 49ers on defensive line. But I don't think the Lions are super far behind. No, but they're not. Defensively, defensively, like I could agree that the Eagles and the 49ers are the better teams. While offensively, I think the Lions are the much better team. You know, and I think like it goes Eagles at number one, 49ers at two, and then Lions are number three in the NFC. But then offensively, I think that the Lions are the best team, like, just fundamentally. And then it goes, like, I don't know. Like, after that, it's like, then you can put the Eagles. And I'm not comfortable with putting the 49ers third there. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think the 49ers stay in that discussion because they're not. They haven't proven to me that they are that team yet, and I need to see it. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think they've done enough maybe this year yet. Um, but I, I think they definitely have the ability to be that team. Yeah, 100. And I, and I think that, you know who else I think has the ability to be that team? Not the Packers, because fuck the Packers. True. I hate True. the Packers. Even though they won 23-20 to 20 this week, and we both thought they would lose. Yep, I predicted that the Packers would only score 23 points, but I was wrong about the Chargers going again that final touchdown. I was so close, bro. I my prediction was so close. I said 27-23. You said 35-20. And we both mm-hmm. said Chargers victory. We were both wrong. Justin so Herbert, give me that one touchdown so I could get that gold perfect prediction. <laughs> I mean, he didn't play. He didn't have a... Oh, my eyes so itchy. But he... Justin Herbert won 21 and 36, 260 yards, two touchdowns and interceptions. He had two sacks. But then he had 73 yards on the ground. Right? So, like, Justin Herbert played really, really well. Yep. He played a damn good game. He didn't. He did. You know, he didn't really have 350 yards for scrimmage. Or yeah, almost 350 did. yards for scrimmage. He didn't really have the completion percentage that you'd, you'd want. But he still... Outside of that, he still had a really good game because they didn't turn the ball over. Well, outside of his one throw, low, but that wasn't a lost fumble. Yeah, you know, Jordan Love had himself a day, and you know, I think the biggest thing with the Chargers is if they just ran the ball more, like you, it would have been a different story. Like that's the biggest thing with the Chargers is like they don't run the ball enough, and it costs them games. You know, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. When you got your quarterback dropping back 40 times a game, you're not going to win. All, you're probably going to win 50% of those games, and that reflects with their 4-6 and six record. You know, their defense isn't good enough to go ahead and carry them like, you know, you'd hope that they could be. But, you know, like you got a guy like Cleo Mack who went and ha- had himself a really good day, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, pass deflection, two QB hits. But, like, you know, like yeah, – and- I mean, I Austin Eckler for a change a head coach. Austin Eckler did. Austin Eckler had ten carries of sixty-four yards, but he had a long of thirty-seven. So if you take that one long run away, he had, he's averaging three yards a carry. Uh, but I, I think you are right that it is time for a change of head coach. I saw on I think it was ESPN where they I think it might have been Rex Ryan actually that said Staley needs to go back to being a Division three head coach. And I thought that was kind of hilarious, but also very true. True. Yeah. Also very because they're they're you know they're wasting the talent on that team. Well, you know he's not playing. He he's all statistical football. He's trying to moneyball the NFL. Thing is, you know, the NFL you can't moneyball like that. You can't. You can moneyball your way into a championship, like the Rams did. But look at the repercussion the Rams had to deal with. Mm-hmm. The NFL just isn't uh organization you can moneyball up. You just cannot. And, you know, he's all about percentages and all this shit and going forward on those risky fourth and one plays and shit. But don't. Settle for a field goal. Settle for those points. It doesn't matter what your percentages say. Get your fucking points. Get the fuck out. You know, like, Jim, because games like this, games like this prove that a field goal makes all the difference. Those yep. those small points they think w- might not matter actually do matter in the end, and this is just this is just another game that proves that. Yep. 
you know, like Cameron Dicker, you know, he only had a field goal at 26 yards away. Like that that's his maximum range that they gave him. Like you got it. The difference is literally just you going in and getting two more field goals. You're telling me that you can't get in range two more times for your kicker. Then maybe you need to get a better kicker. <laughs> you know, like kickers win games. Special teams win games. You know, should I remain, remind you of the 2007 LA or San Francisco Chargers or San, San Diego Chargers? <laughs> San, San, San Francisco San Chargers. Diego. When did that? No, San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. I'm sorry. San. San. You know. Um, yeah, I, I got you. I got you. They were number one on offense, number one on defense, but their special teams was horrendous and they missed the playoffs because of it. Yeah. And maybe maybe they do need clean house. But that leads us into our next game. Uh both organizations are sitting there. They don't want to win. They want the they want the lowest record possible at this juncture, it seems like, because the commanders had a chance to turn this thing around. It seems like Sam Howell's trying his damnedest to keep him away from a top 10 pick so they <laughs> don't draft his replacement. But it just seems like everything goes against him, man. Um, he's not the problem. Tommy DeVito. I don't think he's the problem either. But you know how the commander's organization is. Um, Tommy DeVito, son of Danny DeVito, allegedly, uh, oh, no, allegedly. had himself a fucking field <laughs> Two hundred forty-six yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Fucking elite performance, and got sacked nine times. So that's showing something that's major. You know, with the loss of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they're mm-hmm. still getting pressure on the quarterback, and that's huge. Uh, Saquon Barkley, they kept relatively in check. They allowed five point nine yards on average per carry, but only eighty-three yards on the day, and he had a thirty-six yard long. So you know, realistically, he probably had about a four point three yard per carry. Um, I want to say. Maybe a little bit more, but still, he had a good day. Um, but Logan Thomas being the top receiver throughout this game with five receptions, 58 yards, Brian Robinson right behind him. Or he he had a better fancy week. Uh, seven receptions, 48, 58 yards, you know. Um, Brian Robinson definitely is proving that he is worth that RB1 start. Um, no touchdowns on the day is kind of a bummer, but, yeah, you know, with the yardage he got, he he still put up, like, 20 points. 20.1 or 20.2 points. So I'm happy with that at RB1. I'd say it's hard to complain. Yeah. You know what those points that you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're the commanders right now. Jesus. Oof. Okay, I'm good now. Do you think it's time to go ahead and... We're talking about two teams that should probably fire their whole coaching staff, honestly. I get the argument, but I don't think it's going to happen. And what happens if Tommy DeVito goes and just finishes out the season super strong? Do you think Do you think it's actually a conversation we can entertain? You know, through two games, he has 506 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions. Sort of like entertain them letting go of Daniel Jones type thing? Yeah. Not, not anytime soon. Because of that contract that he got, let me look it up real quick. Because if they do release him, that contract is massive. So that yeah. dead money hit is going to be massive. Right? Currently, know. he's counting for 
20% of their cap. Yeah. So de- dead money, you're looking at about $25 million. That could be worth it just to cut the cord. Because, you know, Tommy DeVito's on an undrafted rookie contract. So he's cheap, cheap. Oh, wait, sorry. If they cut, $70 million pre-June 1st. $70 million? After June 1st, it's 47. So the best would option would be, be to. Their best option might be to trade him. Yeah. What team would even take him? And do you think it'd have to be a situation where, like, you're getting a fourth round draft pick back for him and you're paying some of his salary still? Bro, no team comes to mind for him. Yeah. Honestly. Sure. Uh, I, I think realistically what's going to happen, and I hate it because I don't like Daniel Jones and I hate the contract that he got because he didn't deserve it, I think. He didn't play like he did. Their best bet is they're probably just going to ride it out, at least for one more year. Yeah. If anything, he might just be the most overpaid backup quarterback there is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a real possibility to have happen. Uh, if he does go anywhere, it might be somewhere. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Why am I thinking? What about the Falcons? I, I was just about to bring it up. With O'Connell? Well, the Raiders are pretty tight in caps. I don't think it's going to be them. But Falcons got some flexibility. Actually, let me look at cap space for teams. And then we can even see if any team is available. But like, while you're looking into that, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about this next game we got. Let's hear it. So you predicted this game, right? 34-13, 49ers. Uh, I predicted 27-24 bucks. Uh, the game ended up being 27-14, 49ers. So you got this one right. I got it wrong. I'll admit it. I'm, I'll admit it. Yeah, fuck the bucks. Baker Mayfield's trash ass. I hate Baker Mayfield, dude. I don't know. I hate him. I don't know why I hate him so much. <laughs> I, 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 I can't explain it to you if you ask me. <laughs> you know, um, Rashad White didn't have himself a great day. Um, Mike Evans saved himself because of that touchdown. Was still worth about fifteen points. Um, he had twelve targets, but you know, at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough, and. Baker Mayfield committed two turnovers, uh, committed zero turnovers, 333 yards, three touchdowns, got sacked four times, but hey, that's neither here nor there. Christian McCaffrey went and had himself another field field day, who would have guessed, uh, five receptions, 25 yards, 78 on the ground, and a touchdown. So, you know, he's worth uh, 21 points, RB1 staple, obviously. Um, Brandon Ayuk went and had himself a field day, five receptions, 156 yards. And a touchdown, so you know, worth 26 27 points right there. George Kittle playing like George Kittle. Um, this game, you know, this is kind of what we were expecting. I predicted the Buccaneers won it because they needed the win, and San Francisco was coming off a cold streak. But it seems like San Francisco has gone back on the pony and they are playing to win. Uh, you know, this was a game that was really big for them as well because if Seattle won against the Rams then this could have been a completely different story of how this division setting and 
mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's still a chance that San Francisco falls into that wild card spot, um, because they are seven and three, um, and they still got two dates with the Seahawks. They got right. they're going to, they're going to Seattle this upcoming week. Um, they got Thursday night football, Thanksgiving night against the Seahawks. Then they got the Eagles. Then they got the Seahawks again. They got the Cards. Then the Ravens. Then the Commanders. Then the Rams. So they have like four really tough games coming up. What do you think they finish out at then? How do you see them in those those final games? I think that they split with the Seahawks. I think they lose to the Eagles. Beat the Cards. So I'm thinking two wins, three wins, four wins throughout the rest of the season, and they lose three. So they end up being about an 11 and 16. I can buy with it. Yeah. 11 and 16, I mean, that's good enough to get you to playoffs. And yeah. realistically, unless you're getting the number one seed, all you care about is making the playoffs. And, you know, we'll circle back into this a little bit later, but, you know, the Seahawks, like, I think that they have just about as tough of a time, but it, it. I think that those two games really decide it. If the Seahawks go and win both those games, then they own the tiebreaker in the division, and I think that they're in a very similar position with playing tough teams late in the season. Uh, so that they're going to end up being right around the same record as well. So real quick, um, because we were talking about earlier, I want to circle back to the salary cap space. For 2024, I'm going to read you the teams that have the most salary cap. Titans at 100 million, Patriots 91 million, Commanders 89, Texans 85, Bengals 84, Bears 82, Colts 77, Lions 73, Raiders 66, Cardinals 64, Buccaneers 62. Out of those, to me, the most likely scenario is that the Bucs could try and go after him. Dale Jones. But that <laughs> that takes away a lot of their cap almost immediately, unless yeah, they can like I restructure. I don't right. Yeah, I don't think a team will be paying the full cap. I think that they're going to be like Giants. You got to pay at least half of it. Yeah, uh, they can get Daniel Jones to take a massive pay cut. Yeah, you know, which I don't think is realistically. Uh, but. A little little side quest, real quick, because I thought that's funny. The Saints are negative seventy-one million right now. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, where are my Steelers at? Your Steelers are eight million, eight point one, to be exact. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so so not horrible. That's after rookie contract calculations, too, as well, correct? I believe so. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Oh, wait, hold on. So they're, no, they're effective, which is including, like, rookie contracts, is negative 3.3. Okay. Yeah, so the effective cap space is after signing 51 players and its projected rookie class to its roster. So I I think if any team does try to get him, it should be the Buccaneers, but why would you do that when you could get Baker Mayfield, who's been playing solid on a much, much cheaper contract? You know, so... I think that just kind of plays more into Daniel Jones just sitting tight and having another year at it. Playing yeah, to his overpaid you know, ass. Yeah. I think the Bucks would be the best fit. 
Um, but I don't think there's much more to circle on that game. You know, Buck, Bucks did Buck things. 49ers did 49er things. Now, let's talk about a game where two teams that have been up and down all season go into an AFC East showdown that could have shook up the standings pretty bad if the Jets won. But you predicted that the Bills were going to win 2017. I predicted the Jets were going to win 21-14. We thought that this was going to be a close game of the week. We thought that this might be the game of the week even. Uh, and it ended up being a blowout, 32-6. to Yeah. I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I was Zach Wilson did Wilson things and got replaced per usual um, by Tim Boy Tim Boyle, who looked even though he had an interception to me he looked more comfortable. Yeah, and Zach Wilson and that offense looked better overall. So I'm not surprised he got named the starter going forward. He's just surprised touchdowns. Yeah. Um, cause honestly, I don't think Zach Wilson was the issue. I think it's, I think Zach Wilson somewhat was the issue because he wasn't taking the checkdowns and taking the free yardage that the defense was giving. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, Zach Wilson loves to push it downfield, right? He loves taking those chances. And that's always been his, to me, one of his bigger downfalls. He likes taking too many risks and won't just take, you know, the easy yardage. Yeah. And, you know, like, honestly, like, Brees Hall only having 10 carries, that's problematic. You know, they, coming out of the first quarter, they were only down six. And then coming into the half, they were down 16 to six. So, you know, like a touchdown and field goal away, you can't abandon your run game that early, man. Except, especially when you have Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. You know, the way that you be in the Bills throughout the season is controlling the clock and getting Josh Allen's face, minimizing those situations where mm -hmm. um sorry um minimizing those situations where you know you can get burnt you know making it so josh allen has to do those check downs because he doesn't he he won't he's stubborn about it you know that's why he has 12 picks on the season that's why he's been sacked 14 times because you know he'll throw the ball away instead of checking it down and that's one of josh allen's biggest flaws but you know with that being said, you know, you let Josh Allen do Josh Allen things, he's going to beat you. And the Jets did. They didn't interfere enough. And I do think Zach Wilson has potential. And I think that once Zach Wilson becomes a free agent, I think he'll get a, you know, a Jared Goff type renaissance. I just don't think the Jets are the right team for him. And I don't think that they're built around him correctly. You know, when the time comes, if Kenny Pickett keeps playing the way that Kenny Pickett is, you know, they, he has a chance to prove it at this point that, you know, he deserves to be the starting quarterback of the Steelers. I wouldn't mind Zach Wilson coming, you know, and giving him a shot. Or, you know, he ends up going to a team like maybe even the Giants in a couple seasons or, you know. Do you think the Jets try and release Zach Wilson after this year? No. Because, I mean, he is still on the rookie contract, so, right? so it's still fairly cheap, even if it is, even if it is in a backup role. Because, like, here's my big thing, right? If the Jets somehow weasel their way into the playoffs this year and Aaron Rodgers and goes goes and gets a chip, let's say that that scenario happens, does he retire? No better way to, to retire than on a freaking chip, man. So it's possible. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, like, they're probably not going to, so probably Aaron Rodgers is going to, you know, come back next season and everything. But, you know, in the case scenario, you know, entertaining the idea. But, you know, the thing is with Zach Wilson, it's like, he's cheap. He's a good second-string quarterback. And, like, you could trade him. I could see them trading him. Because you could still get, like, a third-round value. And do level this contract. Yeah. Third, second round. Hey, you know, maybe maybe he goes to the the Bucks, and he competes with Baker yeah. for a shot. You know? Yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes all a player needs is just a change of scenery. Right? A new yeah. team. New players around him. Yeah, you know, even a team like the Seahawks, I would love to see, you know, have a chance with them. And that brings us to our next game. You predicted the Rams were going to win 24-17, and I pred- predicted Seattle was going to win 30-13. Um, Rams ended up taking over this game 17-16 in Nailbiter. Um, and honestly, in a game, I don't feel like they should have won. Why that? They just, I think Seattle played better. Honestly, that's what it boils down to. You know, like, I feel like this was Seattle's game to lose and not the Rams' game to win. Dizzy. And not just coming into the game, but even the game, you know, like, there was a missed opportunity several times throughout the game. And, you know, Jason Myers missed one field goal, and that was the difference. That was the difference in the game. Jason Myers doesn't miss that one field goal, then they win that game. You know, like, they had equal turnovers. They, you know, both played pretty clean ball. And in a game like that, you know, there's no reason that the Rams should beat the Seahawks. There just wasn't. But yeah. they somehow figured out a way to. I don't disagree because the Seahawks are a much better team. They just unfortunately also lost uh, Kenneth Walker, mm-hmm. you know, early in the game, which I think was a major hit for them. Even though they do have a very talented you know, second running back in Zach Charbonnet, who did 15 carries for 47 yards. But I don't think he's quite on the level of Kenneth Walker, which is why I say it was such a massive loss for them, right? Because Kenneth Walker does so much for them. Gino played well, too, as well. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over as well, much as you can ask for them, but they also went up against a pretty good Rams defense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not surprised the Rams... One, I just thought it was also going to be a little bit higher scoring than it was. Uh, but with yeah. that being said, do you need this? Do you think they need to start getting JSN more involved in their offense, or is it kind of what you expected? I mean, he had six targets. You know, DK had nine. Tyler Lockett had seven. So like, he's involved. He is getting involved. It's just right. you know, like this game. None of the receivers really had that great of a game other than DK and the touchdown saved him. You know, to have a great game, he had 21 points. But, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Lockett had 10. And JSN, you know, had 7. But, like, it's one of those things where I think Najigba is getting involved. And it's just, you gotta, you gotta realize, like, they got a lot of talent on that offense. And they're going to be passing the ball around to DK a lot. Tyler's going to get open a lot. So, you know, the thing is with JSN, he's he's a, he's in the perfect situation for him, I would say. 
He's learned from two great wide receivers. Yeah, like schematically, JSN is a perfect Y. Tyler Lock is a perfect Z, and DK is a perfect X. You know, so like you you have you have the perfect wide receiver core. I think honestly. Geno Smith is starting to show why he is not an elite quarterback. Why he's not considered a great quarterback. Why he's considered only a good quarterback sometimes. And it's because he's not winning these type of games. You know, the Seahawks should be winning their division at this juncture with the amount of talent that they have on the team. Right. You know, should, should I remind you that they have Quandre Diggs, Bobby Wagner, Devin Witherspoon, Julian Love, Leonard Williams, Trey Brown, you know, on their defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Devin Bush is having a bit of a career renaissance as well over on the defensive side of the ball. And so showing what you can do as a box linebacker. So do you kind of think on the offensive side of the ball, it's a Geno Smith problem and not really a play calling problem? A hundred percent. You know, like we're talking about the same play calling that got Russell Wilson into MVP. Right. You know, so like I don't know how much I don't know how much easier you can make it for your quarterback. Like he's got three amazing weapons for it really if you want to count the running backs. What about Noah Fan? I wouldn't call him amazing, but I mean he's a good weapon to have. Right? He's either a good tight end. He's a good tight end. And the thing that he offers is a great six man. You know, when you need him as as a six man, he's able to block. Put my wide I think I think that's very invaluable. You know, that's you know, that's why I'm so high on Pat Fryermuth when we're talking about like GM discussion rather than like I'm high on him at fantasy too, but like in GM discussion I'm willing to say Pat Fryermuth is a top five tight end in the NFL because of his blocking Very good blocker. And Noah Fant offers a very similar scheme. You know, big body guy that's going to give receptions down the field that he's not gonna go and rip off 50 yards like a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, but he's going to be the type of guy you go ahead and pass him the ball. He'll get tackled immediately. Sure, he's not getting that yak yardage, but that's the type of guy that you get your first down secured with. That's the type of guy where, you know, he stays back to block on a release route, then you're going to go ahead and have, you know, a lot more time to go get it to one of your playmakers like your Kenneth Walker, like your DK Metcalf, like your Tyler Walker, like your mm-hmm. JSN, you know, like, and they got a good offensive line, you know, it's probably top 10. Um, and they got a good enough defense. They have the pieces in place and they have the coaching staff in place. Uh, you know, their defense is injury riddled, but it's also one of those things where they have enough where they should be winning more games than they are. I think that they should have two more wins this season than than they do. So you think they should be pushing number one seed? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that they should, like, we're going to see it on Thanksgiving, man, because if they beat the 49ers be. in Candlestick, like, that's huge. Then they go and they go, they host, they go and host Dallas, then they host the 49ers, then they go to Philadelphia. This four game stretch decides if they get in the playoffs or not. They go 500 on the stretch, they're probably in the playoffs. They don't go 500 in the stretch, they are. Probably out, <laughs> like yeah. And if, if that five hundred is with the two wins over San Francisco, and God forbid they end up getting three win, wins over this stretch, 
then the Seahawks are an actual team. Like they're scary. And, you know, they have they have notable wins throughout the season. You know, we mentioned this earlier. They beat the Lions in overtime. They beat the Browns. They lost to the Ravens. They got their ass whooped by the Ravens. Um But they beat as I said, they beat Cleveland, you know. Um it's just one of those things. They lost to the Bengals, but barely. They lost to the Rams, but in a pretty fashionable way. You know, and like if they go and win over Cincy and Los Angeles, now we're talking about a team with only two losses. But I don't know, man. I think I think it's a Geno Smith issue, you know, like I would agree. Frankly. I I don't know, man. Like we're we talking about like landing locations for Zach Wilson. Maybe Seattle would be a great fit. At what point do you think they would pull the ripcord on Geno Smith, so to speak? At the end of the season, that they don't make the playoffs, it's playoffs or bust for Geno. Okay. You think so? Like, well, that's the position that the franchise is at. So you know, the thing is with Geno is, yeah, I mean, they he got him to that point last year, and that's why he even kept the starting gig. You and know, got that contract. Yeah. The whole reason that you know, last season we were talking about who's their quarterback, Drew Locke, at the beginning of last season. We thought Drew Locke was going to be the starter, and then all of a sudden it was Geno Smith. Geno Smith, and balled out. And then he balled out, but, like, you know, this season he's had a couple good games, but a couple good games ain't going to be the reason you get into the playoffs. And if what's holding back is a quarterback, go get your guy. Go get, go get a guy that will get your job done, you know, especially in a draft where, you know, you might be able to trade up and get a guy like Bo Nitt. Realistically, he might slide past fifteen. You might not even have to trade up if you miss the playoffs this year. I was excited if I hate that or not, but I, I, I don't. Because realistically, contract wise, you could move on from Gino almost at any time. Realistically, after and during this off season, if you do decide to move on from him, it would be this coming off season. But at the same time. I personally don't think he will because you still got him on a fairly cheap contract, right? So if you do decide to cut him or trade him, you're still dealing with that dead money. And then you're going to get another, you know, first-round pick, which still is a good amount of – probably a good amount of money, right? So I don't I – don't, I would have liked them to, but I don't think it's something that's really going to happen. I think they'll give him at least one more year. You don't think they'll they'll the developmental guy even? It depends, man. It depends on who they get in free agency as well. Leading up to the NFL draft. You know? Because if they could get someone like Zach Wilson in a trade with the Jets, I don't think they're trying to uh, try and draft a quarterback. But at, what the, at the same time, like Shadur. But at the same time, if they do draft someone, I think it's probably going to be like in, in the third round. I'd probably say. So, PF, PFF is projecting uh, Sanders out of Colorado to go 38th overall. But also, at the same time, I mean, they've already been... So, it's already been said. Now, I don't know how true it is. Because Shadur, I don't think, has said it himself. That he's going to be coming back for another year. Mm-hmm. Out of Colorado. Yep. So, maybe that's more reason for the Seahawks to wait. Wait and see. Yeah. They could also get Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. 
love him. Great quarterback and great prospect. My favorite, my favorite pick because I agree that they get a developmental guy later in the draft rather than like the second round or a first round pick. Uh, JJ McCarthy out of Michigan, who has been playing sensational football, and of yeah. course, what viewers should be available around that spot as well. Yep, especially if he declares, which it looks like he's going to declare right now. I don't think he really said if he is or isn't. Yeah, what about the guy from Notre Dame? Forget his name. I'm blanking on his name right now. Blanking I don't know, man. Art like, on his name. It's, he's a sophomore, I think. Busher? I thought he was a junior. Are you talking he's about Busher? From Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or I think he's with... Actually, I think he's with the... Crimson Tide now, right? Um, Sam Hartman. Yeah, that guy. So, Sam Hartman, you know, like, he's serviceable, but, like, also, like, my biggest issue with Sam Hartman is his size. He's six foot one, 210 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, he's not your prototypical size. Also, like, his completion percentage isn't as high as I'd like it to be, and I also don't like the fact that you know, he's in a pro-style system already, and we've seen him make a ton of mistakes. He doesn't offer anything, like, that jumps off the stat sheet that's like, wow. Um, he He's a redshirt senior, by the way, so he is going to be declaring for the draft this year. Um, but, you know, at Wake, you know, he played his last four seasons at Wake. Um, or five, actually. Um you know, his best season was 4,228 yards, and the way this season's going, he might be lucky to break 3K, you know. Um, mm-hmm. He's gotten sacked 14 times, you know. Like, his release is pretty quick, but well, Sam Hartman yep. is definitely a, project, a definitely a project quarterback, but he doesn't have the prototypical size or the arm talent that you want in a prototypical quarterback or in a developmental quarterback. Like, he doesn't have that talent. So, you know, like, it'd be similar to, like, you know, like the Tom Brady coming out of college type pick. You know, I'm not saying he has that type of talent, but that's the type of pick you're looking at when you're looking at Sam Hart. Probably a six-round pick. Yeah, cheap guy. A Stenson Bennett. A cheap guy. That brings us into our next game. Vikings-Broncos. I said the Vikings so you were going to win 27-20. to 20. What were we going to say? Go ahead. I said the Vikings were going to win 27 to 20. You said the Broncos were going to win 27 14. You got the correct pick. I I I was wrong, but I did get the number correct that I thought the Vikings were going to score, or that Broncos were going to score. Oh, I guess you didn't. My bad. But <laughs> no, I'm rolling. I, I, <laughs> you already said I did, so I'm rolling with it. <laughs> I could. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, I was, thanks for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> I, was, I was rolling with it. <laughs> hey, hey. If you didn't stutter right there, I probably wouldn't have caught it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was about to pass it down. I, 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 I looked at the score, and then I looked at what I said. I was like, that's in the quiet head up. So it like messed up in my brain. My brain had a load. <laughs> my brain glitched. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait. And I was like, wait. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> I was like, but you know, 
I just kept trying to talk so you'd forget. <laughs> Joshua Dobbs, you know, like, he had a good game. You know, he looked solid. And, you know, it wasn't a bad game for him. It's just, you know, like, I think it was... I think it was a mediocre game, which is a good sign for him that his bad game was a mediocre You know, that's what it boils down to for me. They trusted the running backs to run the ball and take care of business. And for the most part, they did. They just they just weren't able to finish the game. Um, this right. was a game where, you know, completion percentage was the biggest issue. And that's what cost them the game. Also, the two fumbles lost. So... You know, they end up having three total turnovers. That definitely didn't help them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with three total turnovers, you know, the Broncos offense still couldn't rally over 300 yards. Oof. So, okay. How surprised are you that the Broncos won? Moderately. Um, I'm not shell-shocked or anything. I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah, you know, I thought the Vikings were better than this. And I think the Vikings are. I think they just. I, I think it's a Vi- different Vikings team once JJ comes back too as well. Yeah, you know if JJ was back for this game, I think I think they win this pretty. I don't. I want to say easy, but I think it is more like a twenty-eight, twenty-one type game. I think they get that extra touchdown. I think they are able to open up the offense a lot more. But they've proven that. I mean. TJ Hawk and Jordan Addison, I think, are going to be focal points of the offense going forward along with Jefferson. Yep. I think they kind of proved that because they each got – TJ Hawk got seven targets, Jordan Addison got six targets. You know, that might go down slightly with JJ there or it might stay the same and they just end up passing 40 times a game. You know, and giving – But you got to remember as well, you know, they had 28 rush attempts on running backs. Yeah. So, you know, they had – 58 total snaps, and they had, you know, a lot of them being on the ground, which is fine. You know, that's sometimes how you got to do it, and that's how you win a lot of games in the NFL. You know, you got to run the ball. And, you know, that's a big reason that the scoring has been much lower this season is because these defensives have came around, and we're starting to get that class of cornerbacks that are able to keep up with the new rules and everything. Not give up those pass interferences and give up those cheap holding calls that we've been seeing for the last four or five years. We're starting to get that class of cornerbacks that are developed, like your Sauce Gardner, like your Devin Witherspoons, like your Christian Gonzalez's, like your mm-hmm. JPJs. Like we're starting to see that class of cornerbacks come in, like your Brian Branches. Dare I say, you know, at safety, you know, we're starting to see that class of cornerbacks come in and you know take care of that deep end coverage. And these quarterbacks that are veterans finally adjusting to that coverage fully. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things where, like, you mentioned the stat earlier in the segment uh, about the current average of total scores of games is like 43 and a half, which is the lowest since 2009. I think the biggest reason for that is because running the ball is becoming such a critical part of, run- of the game again. You know, for the last yep. four or five years, it's been, you know, you don't run the ball as much because you're able to dink and dunk. Well, now you can't dink and dunk as much because you're getting, you know, your edge rushers dropping back into hook coverages and covering the flats and shit. And then you're getting your house, especially in four or three schemes, you're getting your strong and weak side linebackers dropping in coverage. You, you're having two guys dropping coverage, no matter what, to cover that flat zone and make mm-hmm. sure that they're not getting those dink and dunks. And we're starting to see that finally develop. And now we're starting to see the NFL get regulated. 
Um, so now we're going to start seeing that score be a little bit lower because the running attack is going to be a mu much more valuable. Um, that's why, you know, a lot of these games are over in two and a half hours. It's because they're running the ball. So Do you think the, the Vikings are going to stick with this current kind of game plan and, and run more than a pass? Or do you think it's just purely situational? I think it was just situational. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing that they ran the ball. They lost by one point, you know, against right. a good against a good Broncos team too. A surging Broncos team um, at that. Exactly. You know, they're getting hot at the right time. And that's the scariest thing, you know, uh Broncos team that ain't got nothing to lose at this juncture, they feel like, you know, and they're kind of flipping the script. Uh right. you know, they just got their fourth win in a row. Like four weeks ago we were saying the Broncos are out of this thing. They beat the Packers. We said the Broncos are so what? They beat the Packers. Then they go and take care of the Chiefs. Mm hmm. At Arrowhead. You know? <laughs> at that. Like, yeah. And then they go and take care of the Bills. And now we're like, hold up. Hold up. What the hell's going on? And then they beat a surging Vikings team that rallied around Joshua Dobbs. You know, yep. like these next few games really will tell the tale of, you know, how good this Broncos team is. You know, they got the Browns next week, which I think that they can win. They got the Texans. They, they should got win. That'll be a tough yeah. game. Texans. Texans is going to be tough. We'll say it's a loss, so they're 6-6 six and six right now. Then they got the Chargers. Should then be a tough game. They should win it, though. So we'll say that they move up to 7-6. and six. So They got the Lions. Probably lose that one. Go to 7-7. Seven seven. Got Patriots. Should take care of that. Easy. Move up to 8-7. and seven. Got Chargers. Should probably win. So now they're 9-7. and seven. Then they got the Raiders. And now they're all of a sudden they're ten and seven, and that might be enough to squeeze yet. I want to that sh might be enough for like you said to squeeze them in, and I like that seven seed. Yeah, especially you, with the big thing that helps the Broncos a lot is the AFC North still has so many matchups against each other. Mm -hmm. You know they're going to be knocking each other out of the playoff contention because they got to go head to head. You know that's going to help them a lot. Exactly. You know so like. If the Bengals end up taking one over the Browns later in the season, like I think it's this upcoming week, they go ahead and take it over the Browns, then mm -hmm. or next week, not this upcoming week, the next week, um, they go ahead and take it over the Browns. You know, now you're really starting to open up that wild card picture, and especially if like the Steelers keep losing, then you're it, it's anybody's game to get back into it. Oh, how realistic do you think it is for the Broncos to make the playoffs? If you had to put a percentage chance on it, what would you say? You got a quarter? <laughs> so 50-50. I mean, I'm with it. They obviously need teams to lose ahead of them, uh, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. It helps that I think that there's five AFC North head-to-head -head matchups still. It helps them a lot. Because... Mm -hmm. I think the Steelers still have two dates with the Bengals. And then the Browns have a date with the Ravens and the Bengals. And then I think the Ravens and the Bengals have so four total head to head matchups. Yeah, like see the Broncos are currently the tenth seed. They're behind the Colts and the Bills. Yep. So they need yep. both those teams to lose or Pittsburgh to keep losing as well, so they get knocked out of the playoffs. And they might be able to potentially surge up into that seventh seed, but the currently as it stands right now, the Colts win the tiebreaker over over Denver just based off of one percentage in conference games. Yeah, two as well. Which 
the Broncos can make up too because they got the Chiefs twice. Like, yeah, and they're there's a three house situation. Or did they have the Chiefs twice? Let me double check that. I think I might. Uh, I think they already got their games against the Chiefs. They did get both their games yep. against the Chiefs. They got they they one, split one Chiefs. But you know, like they're going to need to beat a team like the Texans. They're going to need to be a team like the Lions. Like they proved that they can they can beat tough teams because they beat the Chiefs. You know, and early in the season, yeah, they got fucking whooped on bad by the Dolphins. But since then, you know, they've been a much just, different team. Let's let's just look at their season as a whole. Lost to the Raiders by one point, week one. Lost to the Commanders by two points, week two. Lost to the Dolphins by 50 points, week three. Well, well let's just get past that. They just <laughs> had a horrible game. They beat the Bears in a nail-biter by three. They lose to the Jets by 10. They lose to the Chiefs by 11. Then they turn it around, beat the beat the Packers by two, whoop on the Chiefs 24-9. Then they take care of the Bills 24-22, and then they beat the Vikings by one. You know, like, we're talking about a team that, like, will keep the game close. Um, exerting one example. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, like, all those games were within two scores. Like, a touchdown and a field goal. So, you know, like, I think a 10-point game is relatively close. Um, with that being said, you know, like, that's why I think that they can take care of the Browns. You know, I don't think the Browns are going to be able to keep up with them. I think that they'll be able to grind them down. The Texans, they need to win that game. That's a must win. The Chargers, that that's obviously a game you need to win because of divisional. Both the games against the Chargers that are coming up, and I think they're winnable. Like, I think I give the odds to Denver. Then you go to the Lions. This is a game you can lose. You prefer not to, but this is a game you can lose because it's not a conference game. Mm -hmm. And then you got Patriots, which I think they could take care of. Chargers, which I think they can take care of again. And then the Raiders, and then I think they can take care of them. They only lost to them by one, and I don't think the Raiders are as good as they were at the game. I agree. I, I think it's possible, and I, and I think it's highly likely that that happens. So, I mean, come playoff time, Broncos are dead, dangerous team sitting at seven seed. Yeah, maybe even six. Like something for the Broncos, you know, especially if the Chiefs end up going on a cold streak at the end of the season and they somehow end up winning the division. Like mm -hmm. it's possible. Like we're talking about a two game difference, and they yeah. split. They split with the Chiefs, so like they could definitely swing back into this. Playing in Mile High is tough mm -hmm. because of because of the air. That's a, yeah, the altitude. Yeah, so, you know, like, the Broncos being, if they end up turning this thing around, and that's why a lot of those games are must-wins, like, that's that's the position that when Lions Week comes up, mm -hmm. if you're one game behind the Chiefs, that becomes a must-win game. Like, 100%. It, it gets so close at the end of the season, if, especially if the Chiefs just drop one more. One more, and then the Chiefs are starting to look over their shoulder, because... The Stallions are riding up. <laughs> and that leads us into our final game. The Stallions. <laughs> I like him with it. <laughs> the we got Eagles. Another close game. Visiting Arrowhead. Yep. We were saying that this was probably going to be the game of the week, and we were right. Um, you know, this wasn't a great game for either quarterback uh, statistically. And DeAndre Swift had a pretty good game, 6.3 yards per average, 76 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. uh, and he went ahead and had three receptions for 31 yards. Still, 
very valuable game fantasy wise about 20 points uh are you comfortable starting deandre swift as an rb1 at this juncture of the season i think he's an easy start yeah rb1 yeah okay i say so and i'd put him in anywhere in my lineup pretty easy mm -hmm. you know he's not someone i'm putting on my bench every week if i had him on my lineup or on my team he just he just won't be on the bench you know whether that's in this flex spot or in the rb spot he's starting yeah that's fair honestly uh i have no problems with it i feel very comfortable with it because i know he's going to get that work and i mean he got 12 carries so that's not a ton but he got the yardage and he got the touchdown right mm -hmm. so i mean that that's all you really care about you don't really care how much i mean to an extent you care about the carries and how much they're getting but even more so you care about the yardage and they get touched on or not. Yeah, and I think he's pretty safe play for the most part. So I'm super comfortable just putting him into that flex or the RB spot. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts came out of the week with about 24 points to most fantasy leagues, or probably about 19 after the sacks. Yeah. Um, you know, solid start. You know, really good game. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes... Had a pretty rough game, honestly. 177 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Only got sacked once. Uh, you know, they did a good job keeping Mahomes in check. That's yeah. a lot easier said than done. 24 43. So. Yep. And Pacheco went and had himself a really good day. 19 carries, 89 yards, 4.7 average. Pretty solid. Um, You know, no TD, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't expect that every single game from the guy, but you know, I think Pacheco's still locked for, as a flex at least. Um, and I think the biggest issue on this Chiefs offense, and it's going to come back to haunt him, is they don't have a reliable wide receiver one, two, or three. That wide receiver ring kind of sucks. Yeah, no, it's basically Travis Kelsey at this point, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny to say. Uh, and, and you don't really expect it. I mean, you get flashes from Rasheed Rice and Justin Watson, but nothing super consistent yeah which is which is a major problem like the chiefs are i believe number one in the league with the most drop passes at like 27 if i remember yeah. correctly and, and i and that's not gonna win you games uh, that's gonna lose you a lot of close games and we saw that earlier earlier in the year too as well patrick mahomes you know like has been playing out of his mind he has a 3.2% uh, miss open read. So, like, mm -hmm. that that's insane. At the beginning, at one point in the season, it was 2.2. Oh, right. So, you know, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the guys just aren't getting open. It's, it's not on Patrick Mahomes to pass him the ball more effectively. It's literally the guys aren't getting open. And because Patrick Mahomes isn't having, like, an elite-type season this year, I think that helps with the C.J. Stroud MVP chance. You know, mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes at this juncture of the season, he's projected to be at about 4,500 yards um, and uh, 32 touchdowns, 15 picks. So, you know, right. like, I think it, like, what we're talking about, you know, does C.J. Stroud to deserve MVP, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty good comparison, and you're outperforming Patrick Mahomes. Big time. Big time. Um, and, then, and then on the Eagles side of the ball, you had Jalen Hurts, who 
didn't do anything spectacular, but he did. He played well enough. He got two victory. on the ground. Yeah. He played well enough. That 12 carries, 29 yards, two touchdowns. He had 14 of 22 passing for 150 yards and interception. Devontae Smith, six receptions for 99 yards. Really mad about that one yard, but that's fine. Because he got tackled at the one yard. So. Yeah. So, so if you started him, you're kind of annoyed because if he doesn't get tackled, that's an extra. If you have bonuses, right, that's an extra potential, like, like 11 points right there. Yeah. And, you know, Jalen Hurts is the other MVP candidate, too. And I want to circle on this real quick before we dive too deep. Uh, he's at 4,245 yards projected. 4,245 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. Yeah. I mean, same Howell's in the league, too, and yeah. in passing yards. But he has too many pegs. Yeah. Nah, I was just throwing out there that he's in the league. That's all. It's my boy. That's true. My, my boy, Sam Howell. He, he's got that dog in him. He's trying he his that, best. He's got that bark bark. That wolf wolf. That wolf wolf. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, got that, he's got that puppy bark. <laughs> he's, he's got that puppy bark in him. Right now, <laughs> I have a button for that now. I know, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Me too. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, so great. you know that Devonte Devonte Smith goes and gets that one yard. You get your hundred yard bonus plus the touchdown, and <laughs> so yeah. sad. So sad. It's so depressing to see, too. Like just one yard, bro. And then you learn that he got tackled at the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Just get even sadder. Yeah. It would have been a 100-yard day and a touchdown, so you would have gotten your 100-yard bonus. So in some leagues, that would have been an additional five points, plus the 10, plus the 6, plus the touchdown. So that, that ends up rallying you up to, what, 27 points? Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. he didn't get that one yard, he was only worth, what, 15.9? Something like that, yeah. Wild. So crazy. So sad. So sad. So sad. So sad. So sad. So sad. Uh, I'm okay with it. It's fine. It's whatever. It's just one week. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, you know, 15, 15 points is still good. No, it is. It is. It's just I saw him get tackled at the one-yard line. Or like, <sighs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fine, though. And... It's whatever. With that being said, um, that wraps up our weekly analysis. Um, you ended up beating me in predictions on final scores of wins by one. You got the Texans game right, the Cowboys game right, mm-hmm. Dolphins, Lions, 49ers, Bills, and Rams, which that totals up to seven total correct out of 14 games, so you're 50%. And then I was at six. Out of 15 games, so I was at like 45%. Um, but I beat you in the predicted score category. I got the per only because I gave <laughs> only because I gave myself away. <laughs> in the charters, it's true. Only you got to give yourself away. Otherwise, you wouldn't have seen it. That's true. Maybe so. Maybe you and I both got nine points this week. Yeah, I'm with it. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, you're acting like I robbed you of the points. I just had a typo. Bro. No, you robbed me. 
fucking around with you. I, I stand. It went into a fish head review, bro. You, you browsing me. Flag on the play. Okay, let me ask you this. Did you get the prediction correct? Stop drinking your basic bitch water and answer my question. I'll do whatever the hell I goddamn please. All right? I'm going to cry. Please cry. I'm going to cry when Ingles deserve to die. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and send us out, Shane? All right. Thank you guys for coming along. Uh, we had a little bit of a chalkier episode this week, uh, almost three hours long. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, check out our Instagram, check out our TikTok. We're always uploading clips there. YouTube as well. Um, we're starting a new segment where we're trimming down the pod. So if you just want to check out what we're talking about with your team, click on that video and just get the scoop on your team so you don't have to sit through the whole thing. But if you want to see the whole analysis of around the NFL, uh, we'll, we got you taken care of. And with that being said, don't forget to give me a follow on twitch.tv slash information, of course, as well. And I hope you guys have a great night uh, or a great day or a great afternoon whenever you're watching this. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah!